Benson. It's 63 degrees now at DVEM Val Porter. A new study released yesterday on Holocaust Remembrance Day reveals a discouraging finding. Fewer Americans are even aware of Nazi Germany's systematic roundup and murder of more than 6 million European Jews and 6 million others before and during World War II. The survey of adults in the U.S. found 11 percent either haven't even heard of the Holocaust or aren't sure if they've heard of it. A sizable number of those who had heard of the Holocaust really didn't know the facts. One-third of people surveyed think no more than two million people were killed. Police are trying to identify the naked man who was seen walking on a Mount Lebanon church's roof yesterday evening around 5.30. Investigators say police caught up with the man on Scrubgrass Road before he climbed on top of Bower Hill Community Church, then jumped. The man is at Mercy Hospital in critical condition after the 50-foot fall. According to an article in the Post-Gazette, police are asking for the public's help in identifying him. They said he is a white male between 25 and 30 years of age, is 5'8", weighs 170 pounds. He has short brown hair with a buzz cut and facial hair that makes him appear to be unshaven. That's uh, a heck of a story there, man. Yeah, crazy. And a Mariana man will stand trial for allegedly robbing a Bentleyville bank using a deposit slip with his name on it. Investigators say 30-year-old Glenn Flory wrote a note on the slip at the CFS bank last month demanding cash. Police say Flory followed the robbery with a little dinner with his girlfriend and another friend at Texas Roadhouse, and then they hit the gambling uh, establishments at uh, the Meadows. Oh, well, it's a, you know, so get, get, get rid of the evidence, nice I guess. Night. Night owls have a higher risk of early death than morning people. Dr. Kristen Knutson is a lead author on a study that found evening types had a 10% increased risk of dying over a six-and-a-half-year period. Causes of death included cardiovascular disease, cancer, and car accidents. They also had higher rates of diabetes, depression, and neurological disorders than people who are early risers. Dr. Knutson says it's a public health issue that shouldn't be ignored. She is advising night owls to gradually go to bed a little earlier and and avoid light at night, including staring into a smartphone before uh, shutting out the lights to go to bed. Here's a happy story, though, to start the morning. A paralyzed Pomeranian has enjoyed a miracle recovery thanks to special water therapy. The dog named Penny has been through a lot in her short one year of life. She was abandoned on a street in New York City and was unable to use her hind legs when she was taken to the Animal Haven shelter earlier this year. But she was adopted in February by a couple who made it their mission to help her recover. So they enrolled her in a rehab program called Water for Dogs, where she walked on an underwater treadmill and uh, had laser spine treatments. Amazingly, it didn't take long for her to regain the strength in her hind legs. She's strong enough now that she's running up and down the stairs, jumping on the furniture. Uh, for now, the hydrotherapy sessions will continue, which means Penny will continue to improve in her ability to run and jump and, uh, and even swim as well. That is a first world story, is it not? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Laser treatments on their on her spine. On a little dog. Yeah, we're gonna get you in water rehab. Thank God she was found on the upper west side. You know, I hope I get found on the Upper West Side. <laughs> and uh, right back to the awful stuff. A sexual assault case involving actor yeah. Kevin Spacey is being reviewed by the L.A. County District Attorney's Office. The case was prevented, presented last Thursday uh, by the county sheriff's department, and it reportedly concerns an allegations of a 1992 incident in West Hollywood involving an adult male. Former House of Cards star has been hit with a number of sexual assault allegations made by men in the U.S. and Great Britain. Investigations are underway by authorities in both countries. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, 
Keep going. It doesn't uh, open for another two weeks, but Avengers Infinity War is already on pace to break records. Fandango says Marvel's next superhero flick is selling more than double the tickets Black Panther did at the same point. Infinity War is expected to earn $200 million in its opening weekend alone. Jane's Addiction guitarist Dave Navarro is opening up about how Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington's suicides affected him. In a recent interview, Navarro said both deaths had a massive impact on him and brought back memories of when when he felt suicidal. Navarro is set to host an all-star concert to raise awareness for mental health struggles and suicide prevention April 16th in L.A. Proceeds will benefit the Recording Academy's Music Hairs Foundation. Dire Straits, like the Moody Blues, Nina Simone and Sister Rosetta Tharp, were elected on their first ballot for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Didn't hurt. They received over 600,000 fan votes, placing them third behind Bon Jovi and the Moody Blues. The Cars, another of this year's inductees, came in fourth in the fan voting. They've been eligible for induction since 2003. The Hall will recognize the four original members, singer and guitarist Mark Knopfler, his younger brother, guitarist David Knopfler, bassist John Ilsley, and drummer Pick Withers, along with keyboardist Alan Clark, who joined in 1980 and Guy Fletcher, who came on board in 1984. The band formed in London in 1977 and burst onto the scene with Sultans of Swing, but eventually grew into a larger sound augmented by more members. They enjoyed worldwide record sales of over $100 million, one of their biggest-selling albums, 1985's Brothers in Arms. Uh, of course, that had hits like Money for Nothing and Walk of Life. That album sold more than 30 million copies and was the first to sell a million copies on CD. Their career spanned 15 years, with Mark and John being the only two on board for the whole ride. Here is Mark Knopfler talking about uh, where he sees Dire Straits fitting into the history of music. It was a little move back to a very stripped-down sound, you know, with just a little four-piece and no keyboards even. It was just two guitars, bass, and drums. And it was nice to get that sound back onto the radio in a sense because everything else at that time seemed to be either dance music and then there were a lot of big rock bands big rock setups where they had names like boston and kansas and it felt like fun to be just doing this diddy little group david knopfler who is not on the best of terms with his older brother mark since quitting the band in 1980 has fond memories of his time with dire straits it was a, a remarkable period, and um, we sold an awful lot of records, and we played to an awful lot of people. It was a very hectic time. I was very young. It was my first real big entrance into professional performing. I'd always played instruments. I'd always played in bands and stuff, but it's not too often that lightning strikes like that. But it was fun. Drummer Pick Withers, who, like the Knopfler brothers, will not be in Cleveland Saturday, has mixed emotions about his time in the band, which lasted until 1982 and their fourth album, Love Over Gold. I'm really pleased the award's been given, and and I do feel I made a significant contribution. I don't feel I'm hanging on the coattails to get reflected glory, so I don't have any problem with it. It's great. The music was great. I enjoyed making it. And then it's like all things, you know, success changes you and uh, hopefully it didn't change me too much. I'm sure I changed, but no, it wasn't as enjoyable as it could have been. (laughs) Pretty honest. I do like that because normally you're like, we would just, you hear like the, you know, we were just young boys and the next thing you know, we were playing to millions of people and it was money and women and drugs from then on. (laughs) Very rarely do you hear like, I got kicked out of the band very early, (laughs) and uh, I've been a plumber.
John Ilsley, Alan Clark, and Guy Fletcher will be in Cleveland Saturday night at the Public Auditorium to accept the award, but the uh, they will not be performing. In addition, for what could be a Rock Hall first, no one will induct them. Sources say that country singer and Dire Straits fan Keith Urban was going to do it, but when he heard Mark Knopfler wouldn't be there, he said, nah, I don't want to do it. Robbie Robertson, a member of the Hall's nominating committee, was willing to step in, but was ultimately uh, was decided a video introduction will suffice. Uh, the award ceremony is this Saturday night. Highlights will air on HBO on May 5th. Breezy with... Yeah, it's Stevie Morning Show. Dire Straits. It's a badass song, man. It's so cool. It has a terrible, like, old, like, late 70s, early 80s looking video that goes along with it. It's probably unfortunate for them, but every time I think, like, core like 80s videos i think of i want my mtv (laughs) oh yeah unfortunately and no the song uh the title song of that album i always thought was so good uh brothers in arms do you remember this tune it's got like just some awesome it's kind of like has a uh pink floyd uh principle of moments era feel feel to it and it has these, just, uh, it's got a really cool melody and just Mark Knopfler being awesome. The tone of his guitar in this song is so great. Of course, the song Romeo and Juliet, too, is another one that was like, that, it's like, it was a hit, but not like a mainstream hit. It kind of became like this cultish hit. And a then fan it, hit? Yeah, and then it made its way into like a lot of movie soundtracks and stuff. But this one, wow, such just such killer guitar sound. This is the title track from that album, Brothers in Arms. There's one that like sends chills down my spine, pal, right here. What do you say that that last song was, what do you say it takes you back when you're a kid? Coke bottle radio song, yeah, man. It's a little Floydy, right? A little bit. You know, people are going to think Mark Knopfler's dead. We're paying so much attention <laughs> to Dire Straits right now. They're going to be like, is Mark Knopfler dead? No, we're just going on a Dire Straits kick. Let us go down the Dire Straits Boulevard, please. You didn't celebrate by playing any Bon Jovi or the Cars or... Did you play a Moody Blues song after I talked about I was about, about to play blues? some Moody Blues. Uh, I was going to play Tuesday Afternoon, but then I remembered how trippy and weird it is and might freak people out early. Ease people into the day. This is such a good one. Romeo and Juliet. This is from uh, year 2000, making movies. A love struck Romeo, sing the streets of serenade, laying everybody low with a love song that he made. Just saying. They deserve to be there. And if Mark Knopfler's not going, it's going to be really hard to celebrate the music of Dire Straits. Right? Well, they're they're not being inducted. Nobody's inducting them. It's like, here's a highlight video. Polite applause. That's it. I thought they just didn't have somebody yet. No. Oh, my God. That's going to be awkward. That's why I said it's the first time ever Sorry, someone. No, I know, but it's pulling up the, song. the first time ever no one has inducted a band. I, oh my god. Juliet. I'll do it. 
<laughs> hey, it's quick two-hour drive over to Cleveland. No problem. All right. Uh, it is, of course, the DVE Morning Show. And we've got a huge show for you today. And there's a lot of hockey, folks. A lot of hockey. Our buddy Steve Montleone will be in from It's About the Warrior Foundation talking about another hockey game that's not Penguin uh, uh, Flyers. And, Val, you're going to be a part of that. Yeah, I think it will be much less uh, intense. But uh, <laughs> very good and for a good cause. It's for uh, it's all about the Warrior uh, and uh, – uh, or it's about the Warrior Foundation, and it's tomorrow at 11 a.m. at the Lemieux Sports Center in Cranberry. It's uh, between, it's about the Warrior Foundation and the Pennsylvania State Police team, and it's nice. going to be a good day. So cool. come on up. Uh, also, Sean Collier will be in studio reviewing Rampage and Truth or Dare. Joe Bartnick, our buddy, will be in talking penguins. Penguins with us. Chris Kattan, legendary SNLer, he's at the Improv all weekend. So we'll talk with Chris. Kattan. Chris Kattan, 8.15 in live in studio. Also, Jason Mackey gets you set for tonight's Penn's Flyers Game 2. The Clock Reads in the Coffee House. They're a killer band, man. Very much looking forward to hanging out and listening to the Clock Reads. Uh, that's after 9. And we've got tickets to give away, Val, for tonight's yeah. Game 2 during Mike's 8.30 sport, sportscast. Keep listening. Right around then will be your chance to win two tickets to tonight's Penguins, Flyers, Game 2. And you know it's not going to be as big of a blowout as it was on on uh, Wednesday night. It just can't be, right? Or could it be? Welcome, friends, to the PPG Paints Arena. Game 2 tonight. By the way, Columbus Blue Jackets. Ho-ho! OTW last night. Over. Ovi and the Caps. You know they didn't sell that game out? Unbelievable! What? That's crazy. What? Do you know the score of the Boston-Toronto game? It was three-one. I think I Boston it. won. Oh yeah, yeah, three-one Boston. Uh, I don't know what the final score was, but at any rate, Michael, have that for you when we come back. But it's full hockey mode from here on out. The DVE Morning Show once again. Eight thirty sports. Your chance to win a pair of tickets to tonight's game two. Penguins, Flyers. It's on. Mike, pursuit it with your sports right now on the DVE morning show. Game two tonight. Game two tonight. The Pens and Flyers. 7 o'clock on your Pens flagship 105.9. The X Sports this hour brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. The Penguins began talking almost immediately after their 7 to nothing victory over Philadelphia in game one about uh, how they were going to have to turn the page and forget it. Move on to game two. Start anew in game two. Pittsburgh uh, dominant on a lot of levels in game one, but goaltender Matt Murray uh, was among those after posting that 7 nothing shutout who said he expects no carryover, that uh, game two tonight's going to be a new night. You know, a win's a win. We'll, we'll take it, obviously, but um, in the playoffs, it doesn't matter if you win 7 nothing or, or 1 nothing in overtime. Um, Again, like I said, it resets immediately after that. So we'll take the win and we'll move on. Yeah, it does reset. And uh, from the Flyers' perspective, as uh, frustrating and disappointing as their performance had to be, uh, Philly probably came here like most road teams, hoping to get a split. Right, so and, it doesn't matter. They go home 1-1. So if they win the night, they don't, you know, 7 nothing is not even in the memory bank mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, Penguins, conversely, uh, have a chance to do what uh, the home teams have to do, and that's win the first two and get a real uh, 
serious grip on control of the series. I've always thought that the the best advantage of home ice advantage is not game seven. It's starting the first two at home and, and putting yourself in that position to grab those first two games, particularly a team that does as well on home ice as the Penguins do. Uh, the Penguins clearly uh, know they've got a lot more work to do in, in this series in particular and in the playoffs in general. It was uh, an impressive victory, but it was just one of the four required. Here's Crystal Tang. Yeah, I think we know that. Uh, I, we know that uh, when you win a game like that, you have to turn the page and, and start from, from scratch. Uh, they're going to bring a, their best effort for game two. Um, and uh, we have to be ready for it. And uh play the same way and even better just about everybody to a man has said something along those lines either after the game Wednesday night or practice yesterday so let's let's just assume they know that there's nothing to be uh taken for granted now moving forward and uh we'll hit some other details uh the rest of the way today leading into game two uh one of those uh that seven goal uh eruption in game one on Wednesday night included Goals from Brian Rust and Jake Gensel. Those guys have done it often enough in the playoffs now that nobody should be surprised when those guys show up on the score sheet. Mike Sullivan certainly is not. It's 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 exciting to watch them. You know, I I think they're they're just guys that have embraced um, the you know the high stakes environment and they they've they've thrived. They've they've played extremely well. Uh, when the stakes are high, and uh, and they've done it time and time again, and you know, not just you know, not just once or twice. The, these guys have done it uh, for a long time, and so um, you know, as their coaching staff, we 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 have so much fun watching this group come together, um, and and I think part of what what we've really grown to appreciate about the players that we have is is they tend to embrace. Uh, they embrace the challenge in front of them, and uh, and and as I said before the series started, this is this is a tough series. Um, we expect it, and and it, even though we we you know we're certainly pleased with the, with game one, uh, we also understand that it's just one game, and our players are well aware of that as well. And so, um, you know, Rusty's a guy, Jake's a guy that has shown an ability to play in in a high stakes environment. We've got a number of them that have done that. That's part of what I think makes this team what it is. Brian Russ's goal was his 14th in 47 career playoff games. He's got 19 points in those 47 career playoff games. Not bad. Jake Gensel, uh, ridiculous numbers in the postseason. 14 goals, 11 assists, and 25 points in 26 career playoff games. Big. Wow. He Big. led the league with 13 playoff goals last year. I forgot about that. Yeah, Jake and Big. I, I did too. And he's not a guy that, you know, when you go into these type of things, nobody usually says, well, Jake Gensel's going to be the key. I was talking about Murray or Latang or Crosby or Malkin or Hornquist or somebody of that ilk. But uh, Jake Gensel has just gotten it done in the playoffs. 21 points last year in the postseason, tied the NHL rookie record in that category, and is four points in game one, a career high regular season or playoffs. Wow. Guy's a player. Good deal. Great story too. Yeah. Dad's a coach. Draft pick. Kind of. He's like the you know uh, uh, like uh, stick boy for uh, Phil Kessel's uh, Minnesota team. Rink rack kid. Yeah. Grew up with the game, and uh, now here he is playing it at the highest level. 
A lot of action last night. Let's run through it quickly. The Lightning beat the Devils 5-2. Bruins all over the Maple Leafs 5-1. The Blue Jackets rally from deficits of 2-0 and 3-2 and beat the Capitals 4-3 in overtime on a ridiculous goal by Artemi Panarin. Did you see the highlight of that one? The bread man. He went wide on uh, Dmitry Orloff and it switched to the forehand and then went upper corner, far side. Silky smooth. He just picked the corner. How did he lift a puck like that in that motion? Just yeah, what so a, uh. what a power move off the uh, off the edge. Uh, Columbus uh, leading a series one game to none for the first time ever. How about that? It helps they're not playing the Penguins. Leading a series for the first time ever, let alone one game to none. Uh, Nashville beat Colorado five to two, and San Jose. Shuts out Anaheim three to nothing. Uh, other games tonight, in addition to the Penguins and Flyers, it's the same card as Wednesday night. Uh, Winnipeg is hosting Minnesota, and uh, the Golden Knights are hosting the Kings. The Jets and Golden Knights have one game to none leads, as do the Penguins. The Pirates are in uh, Florida take to take on the Marlins, and they arrived with a nine and three record after a six one win. In Chicago yesterday afternoon, the Bucks take two of three Woo. from the Cubs. Four home runs, two by Gregory Polanco. He's got five. Adam Frazier hit his first, and Francisco Cervelli hit his second. Trevor Williams went six innings, allowed four hits and one run. It was earned one walk and five Ks. Williams is 3-0 and with a 1.56 ERA. You know, I made fun of Gregory Polanco's offseason workout. And he's been on fire to start the year. This is the guy, right, that they've been waiting on. Yep. I kind of was wondering if it was ever going to happen. I had written it off. He was so bad last year relative to where he should have been given all the hype that he arrived with. Initially. Give him time, Mike. He could still be bad this year. He could, but, man, does he, look, does he look like the guy everybody was so excited about, what, four years ago? He does. He looks like 80s game suspension good. <laughs> like he looks, he looks that good. <laughs> Chad Cool's going to get the ball tonight against Dylan Peters. Jamison Tyone gets the start on Saturday against Trevor Richards. Tyone's two and zero with a one point two six ERA, and the series concludes Sunday. Ivan Nova against Jose Urena. That was uh, pretty impressive yesterday. You know, you kind of won. They won the first game in Chicago, then they got crushed in Game Two, and. Start to think, okay, this is going to... They're going to crash s- back to earth. Start equaling out a little bit. The Cubs are going to pound them and get going. And uh, they, just, uh, they were trading home runs, and the Pirates hit more of them. Let's hope they keep it up. I would like not... Like I said, my, my love for the Pirates supersedes my hatred of nutting. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. I think, but it's close. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> I think people are going to find it easier to separate once they get further into the season and as you start playing more games and if they continue to do well. Just, you know, at some point you got to get past what they don't have and focus on what they have and give the thumbs up or thumbs down on that and enjoy that or don't. But uh, the 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 same narrative is going to be there and if you want to be miserable about that, it's, you know, it's a free country, but what's that really going to get you? Misery is what that's going to get you. And baseball can be fun. And so far it has been, so good for them. Mike Pursuta with your sports there. Val's got news coming up top of the hour. What do you got, Val? We're going to talk about the most admired people in the world coming up. That's right. Chris Kattan from SNL. He'll be on the show.
Venn diagram. Cookie Romano's got to be on Val's Cookie list. Cookie Romano's right on the list. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Jason Mackey talks Penguins. Hey, your chance to win tickets to tonight's game. Coming up during the 8.30 sportscast with Mike Pursuta. So keep your ears peeled. You can be off to see Penn's Flyers game two during the 8.30 sportscast this morning on DVE. It's the DVE morning show. Randy Bauman along with Val Porter and Bill Crawford. You know, we're going to be giving away tickets for game two tonight. Val, are you going tonight? I don't think so. No? All right. We all, the three of us went to game one. I'm going to try to go tonight. I want to go tonight. Nice. That's uh, tickets are a little they're pricey. pricey for game two of round one. They're a little pricey on the secondary market, but you can go for you know 160 bucks and sit in the top. It's Friday night. Friday Sleep in tomorrow. Night. Yeah, Mario's TV is going to be packed up in that. It'll be it'll be nuts up there. It's going to be a fun night. So they're making a movie about Rob Ford. By the way, tremendous. All right. Rob Ford, the embattled mayor of Toronto who has since passed away. Our favorite mayor. R.I.P. Rob Ford. They're making a movie about him starring the guy from Homeland. Damien, whatever the hell Lewis? his name is. Yeah. He's going to play Rob Ford. Yeah, I know. I, it doesn't even make sense, right? That, that's, he looks that's terrible casting. Absolutely nothing like him. Well, they're going to do uh, movie magic, Val. Movie magic. Which, it was a role Chris Farley was born to play, and unfortunately, he he obviously won't be able to do that. Right, but but you know, it's permanently unavailable. Aside uh, from Chris Farley, I can't believe they gave the uh, role to Damian Lewis over even our own friend Gareth Reynolds. <laughs> Gareth, of course, from the world famous The Dollop Podcast, who is probably the funniest person I have ever uh, been around. And this was Gareth. Yeah, I'll co-sign that. After the Rob Ford crack video had uh, been made public, and uh, well, he was just sort of assuming the role of Rob Ford. He said, "There's no, he never smoked crack." Then there's one tape. He's like, "One time." It's like, well, now we're not buying your stories right. on crack anymore. <laughs> one time, like a drunken stupor for me is I eat the whole large fry and cheese <laughs> right. at the O Dog. That's a drunken. Yeah. I never stumbled into crack cocaine. <laughs> I know. But there's planters outside in the house. That's not our crack house. There's planters. The father died. That's In his memory, I think we should forget about all this. Let's be honest. That's messed up. He's gone and not with us. How yes, did I, the dad die? A crack. crack and, I, and I strangled him. But it's like, you know, we shouldn't be talking about this, right? Let's not play the blame game. It was a fight to the death. I needed 10 minutes to make sure he was dead. I, look, I know. I know there's a video of me eating his heart. Now listen, <laughs> listen to me. One time about a year ago at the Danforth. <laughs> he wouldn't get off the dance floor. That's I'm where the mayor, started. so I ate him, all right? <laughs> but I did give him a can of city. Have you ever smoked marijuana? <laughs> well, exactly. We're all the same. I've eaten a man's heart. You smoke pot. <laughs> I want everyone to see the video. <laughs> That's the equivalency. Yeah. You smoke pot, I'm a cannibal. We are not too different, you and I. Have you ever jaywalked? Well, I ate a family. I'm cracked. <laughs> We're all human. I'm 100% on that family being human. I ate them. I'm a pink whale. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man. Gareth Reynolds. 
The Dan Force. Do it, Rob Ford. Yeah, Toronto. DBE. At YYZ, that's the airport code for Toronto. That's why I yelled, Toronto. No, I, I had no idea. The Seems mayor strange. of, uh, former mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford, of course, uh, being uh, memorialized, portrayed by Damien Lewis in an upcoming movie, and we didn't know why Gareth Reynolds didn't do it. So what I'm going to do here, hold on, let me get a couple of things arranged for Gareth. Okay. I'll get into character. Here it is. <laughs> Have you purchased illegal drugs in the last two years? Okay, Robbie, baby. <laughs> okay, Robbie, breathe through this. I'll tell you what doesn't make sense anymore is smoking crack on the way to this thing. <laughs> relax, relax, relax. Now, I know what you're thinking. This heart's going to explode. It's not going to explode, baby. They sent the Dan for it, okay? They don't call you Greasy Rob for nothing. You can work your way out of any pickle, all right? You're a Clawson, baby. You're a Clawson. What you're going to do... Is look him straight in the eye and lie, and then and then ask if he smoked pot. Come on, Rob, hail Mary, baby. Oh, I can't feel my arms. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> oh, that's why they call you Slippery Robbie, baby. <laughs> And then, uh, of course, Rob's brother started yelling at everybody. Question is, have you ever smoked marijuana? <laughs> That's his brother? Yeah. Have you ever yeah. smoked marijuana? That's Doug Ford yelling at the other council. Hold it. Have you Hold ever it. smoked marijuana? Hold it. It's no, a it's question. It's simple. A yes or a no. Have you smoked marijuana? Okay. The answer, I guess, okay. is yes. Because it's awesome. I mean... <laughs> My brother's not on trial. <laughs> this whole council's on trial. Who smoked pot? He's like, I saw the Pelican brief on a plane. <laughs> Have you smoked pot? <laughs> I rest my case. You're an idiot. Oh, really? I'm sorry. What is this? Is this not a court of law? No. The question's it's validation. Do you have it? Can I have some? I don't know. We're in the banquet hall of a Holiday Inn, oh. Mr. Ford. Okay. I thought this was a Chase Bank or a court. I couldn't tell. <laughs> We're all on crack, by the way. Gareth Reynolds doing his uh, Rob Ford. They should definitely make a movie out of that version. All right. On the way for you. Your chance to win Game 2 tickets during the 830 Sportscast today. Mike Pursuta. We're going to send you off to see Penn's Flyers. Val has news coming up next. Valerie, what do you got? We're going to talk about the most admired people in the world. SNL legend Chris Kattan in studio. Also, comedian Joe Bartnick will be here. Sean Collier reviewing movies. Jason Mackey talks Penn's and the clock reads in the cock. Papa John, I feel like once he started, like, once he got his third plastic surgery, and then uh, he went out and started uh, putting his face everywhere. Papa John, I feel like once he started, like, once he got his third plastic surgery, and then uh, he went out and started uh, putting his face everywhere. And Guy Pierre, I think that if you stay behind the scenes, then you're not likely to get as much crap for, oh, for serving sure, yeah. crap. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he, like, quit his partnership with the NFL this year or something? Yeah, just because of yeah. the Nazis got behind him. It's a real big misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> Randy yeah. Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. I mean, he just, you know, there's nothing you can do when they, the Nazis take a liking to your garlic sauce. What are you going <laughs> to do? Most popular good... item, the white pizza. <laughs> no surprise there. <clears throat> and I guess it's probably handy you can wipe off the grease on all those sheets that you're wearing. So... Mm -hmm. 
It's a nice uh, dual feature of that. <laughs> hey, uh, we've got Penguin hockey in the Berg. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh once again. Game two for the uh, Penguins and the Flyers. And we've got a pair of tickets to give away coming up during the 830 Sportscast with Mike Persuda. That's next hour. So just keep your ears peeled for that. Plenty more to come. Joe Bartnick going to be talking about uh, tonight's game. SNL legend Chris Catan in studio. Jason Mackey uh, talks about game two tonight. It's I've calmed down a little bit. I don't know about you guys. After, you mean coming off the seven nothing win? Yeah, I've I calmed down in what way? Like you aren't as excited as you were about the win, or you you you're not as optimistic about. You're realistic. I am no longer thinking that we're going to win uh, every game by an increasing amount of goals. I don't think tonight's going to be eight nothing, and then Sunday nine nothing. I'm pretty sure. Five nothing. Hey, if the Flyers win tonight, they split. It doesn't matter how bad you beat them in game one. So they get that crappy one out of the way. Who knows what's coming? I'm trying to ground myself a little bit here. Trying to. You don't need to do that. Bring my expectations down. It'll be, make them a little more realistic. I mean, Fraud Giroux said that was one of the worst games he's ever been a part of. I don't know. They made a lot of plays. Um, they had a chance to score. They did. And. When we did, we didn't, so uh, it was uh, one of the worst games uh, I've been a part of, and uh, yeah. Yeah. On the biggest stage for everybody to see. Columbus took care of the Caps last night in game one. Let's hope they beat the snot out of each other for a while. Yeah, I think DJ Gallo had the best tweet. I'm rooting for this series to go seven games so somebody gets their heart torn out at the end, and they're also tired enough to get crushed in round two so uh <laughs> the clock reads will be performing live for you a little bit later on this morning sean collier's movie reviews and more val's got news right now on this friday the 13th yes here is the channel 11 severe weather center forecast brought to us by dormont appliance benson It's 62 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Golden Oak Lending. Former FBI Director James Comey's book, A Higher Loyalty, Truth, Lies, and Leadership, is out next week, and material from it has already leaked in advance. One bombshell, Trump allegedly wanted Comey to investigate the much-rumored P-tape so he could prove to Melania that he didn't pay Russian hookers to pee on a bed. He writes in the book, he brought up what he called the golden showers thing, adding that it bothers him if there was even a 1% chance his wife Melania thought that it was true. Comey continues in the book, he just rolled on, unprompted, explaining why it couldn't possibly be true, ending by saying he was thinking of asking me to investigate the allegation to prove it was a lie. I said it was up to him. Uh, Uh, You know, first of all, James Comey certainly has been a guy who's been able to have his cake and eat it too. Uh, the people who vilified him originally are now counting on him to be the world's biggest hero. The whole situation kind of stinks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't for a second think he's lying about any of the interactions he had with Trump. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think he's probably, uh, mi- you know, mishandled some situations. The, uh, you know, I don't think he's lying about this stuff. And well, if I just you- hate how everyone embraces him now like he's the greatest guy in the world. It's like he's part of the reason why he enabled the confusion in the first place. And, and now, you know, he's being discredited. By, he's tr- they're trying to discredit him. And the P-tape thing, everybody believes. His most ardent supporters believe there's a P-tape. Nobody doesn't believe there is. And when he says that, I'm a germaphobe, I don't like, there's no way I would go, you know, I would let people urinate. Ew, gross, I'm a germaphobe. He had raw dog sex 
<laughs> no condom. Straight up. Unprotected sex with the Lincoln Tunnel of vaginas. A <laughs> <laughs> lot of traffic through there. Yeah. I wonder if she had the same kind of count. <laughs> you, 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 you didn't pay a toll. Well, he tried to pay the toll. It was 130 grand. <laughs> That's an expensive toll. Cohen pays the tolls for him. I got this. No, no, no. You don't need to know why. So, I, I first of all, I believe that there's a P-tape. <laughs> I was trying to figure out and rationalize it like, the way he's asking, is there a way that you would, if somebody claimed there was a P-tape and you were worried about your husband finding out, yeah, but you can't would you ask- ever be like, you can't- uh, I need you to investigate that because my husband is really worried that it exists. Like you would, you would just be like, it doesn't exist, so right. it doesn't matter. <laughs> like I just like that. That's his red line for his marriage. Hey, look, there's gonna be a lot of stuff coming out about me. The P tape though could be a deal breaker, so I need you to bust that up for me. She, it, Break it, that wedge. Unless please. what he was asking, and and again, I really feel like I would be such a good. I told Bill yesterday I'd be a great charlatan, and I really think I'd be a great advisor to the president because I think you what he should say now. Is that what he meant by that was, I need you to prove it doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, wasn't that what he was kind of saying? And I don't think so. He said well, investigate it. That's two different things. Yeah, no, investigate the allegation to prove it was a lie. Yeah, uh, all right. It's not, being, the thing it's is, not being interpreted that way. By the public? Yeah. Well, the thing that confuses me or like if you were talking to someone about a rumor, wouldn't you say it's absolutely not true? The way he words it in his book, this is a quote. He just rolled on unprompted explaining why it couldn't possibly be true. <laughs> well, wouldn't you just say it's not true, not it can't possibly be true? Well, I get here's the, the all right, I use is, a handkerchief to go down the railing. I and mean, again, you know. I don't know if that's a quote or if that's just him saying that my interpretation, Comey saying, my interpretation is that it couldn't possibly be true. I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that it's possible he is involved in so many awful things that he knows everybody thinks he could have done any awful thing. <laughs> so when something comes up that he didn't do, he might feel the need to over-explain it. Well, there's a lot of scandals going on. I mean, he's pretty much on a lazy Susan and just like... Hey, spin me around. I got to fight off all these because it's coming from every angle. Fire crews say it took it more than an hour for five different fire departments to team up, team up and tamp down a South Huntington Township brush fire. Firefighters say the blaze was found about 8.30 p.m. in the woods along Route 31 and Waltamill Road. Crews had to use all-terrain 4x4 Polaris vehicles and brush trucks to get deep enough into the woods to put it out. There were actually several brush fires yesterday, and I do this story because there is actually a fire weather watch in effect until this evening for southwestern Pennsylvania. That's because of the wind, the low humidity, humidity and higher than normal temperatures. The watch, watch issued states that any fires that develop will likely spread rapidly and outdoor burning is absolutely not recommended. The CDC is investigating an E. coli outbreak. It's sickened people in seven states from the Pacific Northwest to the East Coast. So far, 17 people have gotten sick in Washington, Idaho, Missouri, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Six of them wound up in the hospital. Health inv- investigators have not been able to figure out where it came from. I, uh, I, 
I got sucked into one of those like Instagram algorithm things where it targets you and says, you want this product. And I'm like, you know what I do? And it was like this like breakfast smoothie type thing, like mm-hmm. start the day. And they're like, we ship you these frozen things and they're the perfect start to your day, perfect amount of protein, blah, 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 all that crap. Because I'm Carbs, always looking for a shortcut. Yeah. Vitamins. It's, especially sure. in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can grab something, fill yes. up with water, shake it up and go, great. But uh, it turned out it was way more involved than that and I didn't know. And it was like, no, we're shipping you the frozen stuff, but you Andy need to, you need to <laughs> put it in a blender. And I'm like, I don't have a blender. That was the whole reason why I wanted to. Do- I thought it was like a. I didn't understand smoothies. I'm a dummy. So <laughs> then they ship me a bunch more. I'm like, no, dude, I just wanted to try the. I thought I was trying the product. They're like, well, you. It's the Columbia Record House of smoothies. And I'm like, son of a... The, so then, fr- the smoothies are just piling up at your door. Do you ever start to like threaten them with like power that you don't have to stop a product uh, or uh, to try and get your money back? I'm like, I will mount the most vicious Yelp campaign <laughs> the internet has ever seen oh. if you don't refund my $38. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, uh, salt in the wound, insult to injury. I finally, like, I get canceled out of this thing it took it was more difficult than quitting facebook to get out of this stupid smoothie contract did thing. you get e coli from it they sent an email yesterday they're like hey, hey not for nothing but out of an abundance of caution <laughs> throw out uh, this one this one that one this one and that one throw out the green onion smoothie and they're like yeah exactly the chi chi's delight let's <laughs> go ahead and chuck that in the garbage but then they're like, we have, uh, we've got a whole bunch though for you to replace. Uh, to replace them. I don't want them. This is why you shouldn't click on things and buy them off the internet, sight unseen. No, what sounds good in theory ends up, you know, being way more than you bargained for. I mean, I remember we got, you know, Serena and I got Blue Apron. We we're like, I love Blue Apron. Well, it, it's great if you're on top of it. Yes. If you miss one meal, all of a sudden you're in the weeds. I feel like I'm on one of those cooking shows where the, I'm just at a race against the clock. I'm unpacking things like, oh, God, this is going to all go bad. Yeah. How do we do this? Blue Apron Blue Apron is the culinary equivalent of the New Yorker magazine. It just keeps coming nonstop. Keeps you don't have coming. a chance to get to the last one, and then it piles up, and you just, you're like, I don't want to do any of it now. So as a result, you don't read anything, and you don't eat anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's kind of like the Ikea of cooking. Like, they send you all the pieces. Right. And then you got to do it yourself. <laughs> Did you think it was going to become come like a frozen dinner? And yes. <laughs> you, yeah, you, really, you wanted yeah. to defrost it? That's no, that's, yeah. It, it's supposed to help you, your cooking yes, skills I know. and all that other crap. I know that now. But the other that's thing that I think is about that is that they're like, this is really going to help your culinary uh, you know, skills and your, uh, it'll help you develop your own dishes. But then they send you like squid ink pasta and Vietnamese chicken wings. Like, I'm not going to make that crap ever. You signed me up for like a sample serving. I think that's because I got free stuff if I did. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't try to pawn any of your uh, smoothie contract off on us. You don't want want an E. coli (laughs) shake to start your day? No, I don't. The only thing I remember that was in it was catfish, and it was really unbelievably fresh. Really? How do they do that? I don't know. How do they do yeah, that? Yeah, I don't know if they soak it bleach first, but everything that they- can't be inexpensive <laughs> to bring a fresh catfish to market. Everything they do is like that. There was a local one. Is plated the local Pittsburgh version of that? Am I sure? Do I have that wrong, Joe? Can you look that up? There's Hello Fresh too. That's 
that's out there. It's a version of it. <laughs> I only got the one thing because I was like, I know how to cook. Yeah, I know. See, and I thought I was helping you, but no, it was you very nice. It was, it was, and they measure everything out in these cute little bottles, and hello, but it was nice. Hello, thank fr- you, by the way. Yeah, sure. I appreciate the uh, the free stuff I got in return that didn't have E. coli. <laughs> Hello Fresh, by the way, sounds like the was that on after uh, Flavor of Love? Yes, yeah. Uh, that was uh, Dougie Fresh <laughs> in his quest for love. Martin Scorsese has signed on to direct an SCTV reunion special for Netflix. How great is this? Martin Short, Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, Andrea Martin, Dave Thomas, and Joe Flaherty will all take Pittsburgh's part. Pittsburgh's own Joe Flaherty. Forecast today, breezy with clouds and sun, temperatures near 80 degrees. It is 63 at DV. Our buddy Steve Montleone from It's About the Warrior Foundation in studio right now. What's going on, man? What is up? Thanks for having me. Dude, hey, what's up, is, Steve? That the, are you, is that the new gear you have you're wearing right now? Yeah, you got yours right there. Oh, that's oh, badass. Dude. Those are awesome. Thank Gears you. That might be going point. to a Pens game with me awesome. tonight. That looks uh, they fit killer. a little tight, so check it out. If not, I can replace it. All right, well, talk to me about what you got going on this weekend, because I know Valerie's involved. Yes, she's our celebrity public address, Ryan Mill. Uh, oh, do I get to say one minute remaining in the yes, period? You do. One minute. Nice. I got a whole script for you. What do you say? Nice. <laughs> so, Steve, what's going on? Uh, we have uh, we we started a uh, veterans hockey team with my foundation uh, called the Pittsburgh Warriors. We partnered with the Penguins and the Penns Foundation. And uh, super cool unis, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. And we got we have like forty guys in the team. Um, we have team doctor, physician. Everybody's a veteran. And uh, this weekend, at, or so I should say tomorrow, at uh, 11.30 at UPMC Lemieux, we are playing a state police team in a benefit game. Um, like I said, it starts at 11.30. We have an opening ceremony. Val's the celebrity MC or PA, whatever you PA want to call it. PA announcer, yeah. Very nice. But it's a good opportunity for people to come out and uh, support veterans and law enforcement. Actually, the uh, state police are going to have two helicopters oh, over, cool. o- over top, and then they're going to land, and oh, awesome. people can... Walk through the helicopters if they want. Yeah, so I a pretty good event. I a t w dot u s dot u s i a t w dot u s. And that's how you can learn about uh, everything that you got going on, and 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 of course the event tomorrow night. But what else is happening? What what kind of stuff you got going on around uh, Western PA right now? First of all, for those who don't know, I'm just so used to bringing you on and right. assuming that everybody knows the mission of it's about the warrior. But you are an independent organization. Yeah, we're not the Wounded Warrior Project. We're a tri-state area nonprofit post nine eleven uh, that. Assists all post-9-11 veterans, not just wounded or combat. We have four, uh, four programs. We have financial grant, a financial grant program, home improvement program, a therapeutic program. We just opened up our new office in Wexford, right across from the Walnut Grill, with Dr. Burnett. He's a uh, flight surgeon in Afghanistan. He's the one that saved Brandon Rumball. Oh, nice. And um, with Regeneration Pittsburgh and uh, Wexford there. And then uh, we have our uh, outreach program, which consists of the hockey team. And uh, we take a lot of men and women on hunts, fishing trips, family family activities, try to keep the family together. Good deal. Good stuff. We How are you just, feeling about this team? My you team? Got, you got a nice mix of uh, grizzled old vets and, and well, it's funny young, because young whippersnappers? Yeah, oh yeah, without a doubt. But I'm the old man. They call me Grandpa. <laughs> but, uh, grandpa. grandpa had a hat trick in Chicago last week. So. Did you really? Oh, yeah, first game. Nice. We played, nice. We played a national tournament last week, and we beat uh, Washington, Detroit, Minnesota. And we played Minnesota in the semis and lost. But yeah, that's Gramps a good team. Can dangle. Yeah. Let them know. I just no. I just I'm in the right place at the right time. I just <laughs> tap it in. It it helps having the best player on your team on your line, I should say. But no, it's a, it's a good opportunity for veterans to be with other veterans, combat veterans, hanging out. Uh, build new relationships and camaraderie. That's what it's about. And we have fun. Yeah. 
and the state police uh, state police team is very good. Um, they're young, twenty five year old guys. Some played at Mercyhurst. Some played junior. So cool. it'll be a good uh, good game. Good game. Watch. Yes, I would imagine that camaraderie goes a long way too. You know, there's like you know for like like in the last scene in uh, in her locker where Jeremy Renner's like. You know, you see him going through the shopping. Yep. He's in the grocery store, and he's just like, "What? I can't be here. I can't do like this. my head is over there. I can't mm-hmm. be here." Yep. And so, I would imagine that just like hanging out with each other really helps alleviate some of that anxiety, without a doubt. And that's a great movie that dict, uh, dictates uh, what we go through or what I deal with on a daily basis. Just the camaraderie. Just guys can you know they can talk the lingo because there's a code in the military. The military loves acronyms. Right, like FOB QRF, people are like, what, "What's that?" Right, mm-hmm. forward off operating base, uh, quick reaction force, and there's so, comfort in that. Yeah, there's comfort in that. And guys can talk about experiences overseas. They can talk about the military, and I can't tell you the uh, wives, girlfriends, even parents have contacted me and said, "Hey, thanks a lot for doing this hockey team because my son or my husband's a totally different person because he's so excited to come to practice, and uh, just to see the smiles on the faces of the of the uh, guys when they come to practice and working hard and some guys have lost forty pounds. Quit smoking. No oh, kidding. Wow. Yeah, one guy's one guy's lost forty pounds. Quit smoking, not drinking. A lot of guys are going to start. A couple guys joined gyms, bought treadmills at home because they want to represent on the yeah, ice. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, it's. I think it's just very therapeutic for everyone overall. So it's, see, it's good that's stuff. definitely that's the the awesome stuff that you provide. Like yeah. you know, who would have thought? That? I'm sure there's not government programs when they think we got to get a hockey team together. Yeah, but like just instituting like this camaraderie and 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 opportunities for these guys to have a mission together. Right, exactly, yeah, even if it's a hockey game. Yeah, and I, and Michelle Humphreys from Hockey Six Together, which is part of the Penn Foundation, reached out to me in in uh, December. We've only been skating for four months. Wow. And uh, asked asked me, hey, could you? Because she knew I was involved in hockey, and I said, "Sure, I'll, I'll send an email." But I didn't know a whole lot of veterans that skated. Next thing you know, we got forty guys. We keep getting more every day, and um, and there's a, a, a huge warrior program around the country. Like Minnesota has two teams, Chicago has two teams. You take this show on the road. Yeah, like I said, we were just in Chicago for a national tournament, and there was twelve teams. Now they're trying to get. A How team. much fun did you have there? Oh, we had a blast. That's great. Yeah, we had a blast. Um, well, I saw you posting a picture of a celebration at some point, you know, and it looked yeah. like uh, that's yeah, and that's, that's what it's about. Stuff, you know, man. we're all yeah. together. We there was forty two, including the families. That's killer. Just hanging out and at the pizza shops out there and uh, having a few pops, and that was about it. We had a good time. Do so, you like that pizza in Chicago with the sauce on top? I'm Italian, so I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I kind of like Anthony's better. Yeah. Um, uh, I, Anthony's coal fired. Yeah, oh, yeah I awesome. really, I really like that. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm old school. It's about the Warrior Foundation, and once again, details on this weekend's hockey. Iatw.us, or uh, like I said, you go on our Facebook page. We also have a Pittsburgh Warriors Facebook page as well. Nice. Yeah. All right, we'll have to make sure you get us the scores next week, Val. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Is Sally Wigan going there too? No, she had something else to do. Oh, her, so. I was hoping she'd get on the ice. She's committed to, to another. <laughs> I saw her in a, in a, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> She's funny. <laughs> He cracks me up. It's too bad you couldn't like get. She off. gets out there, you know. She's gonna goon it up. Yeah, if there was a hockey team full of Sally Wiggins, <laughs> they would be, be amazing. Oh yeah, they would. Get, yeah, all you'd have to do is like bring a bird into the arena though, and they would all get distracted and skate over yeah. and look at it. And, <laughs> and her sound effects. Yeah. Oh 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 yeah, yeah, oh. Steve Molly. Thanks for having. It's about the Warrior Foundation. Thanks so much. All right, coming up, Mike Pursuit with your sports. He's got a pair of tickets to give away in the eight thirty sports. So next hour, listen for your chance to win two tickets to Game 2 tonight. Flyers, Pens, a preview when we return. DVE. DVE.
Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports is now brought to you by Golden Oak Lending. Game two between the Pens and Flyers is tonight, 7 o'clock, at the PPG Paints Arena and on your Pens flagship, 105.9X. The Penguins coming off a 7 to nothing drubbing of Philadelphia in game one. And uh, some of the details therein, the penalty kill went 4 for 4. And uh, if you take it back to the end of the regular season, has now killed 15 of the last 16 opponent power play opportunities. That was an area of concern for the Penguins heading into the postseason, and justifiably so, but uh, they're starting to get it back together. Killing penalties would be nice to take fewer penalties, Evgeny Malkin, Uh. on the power play in the first period. Maybe avoid that. <laughs> uh, Penguins will also be uh, cranking it up at home again, and they have uh, been most comfortable at the PPG Paints Arena. Ten playoff wins at home last year set a franchise record for home wins in a postseason. Twenty-six home playoff games between uh, 2016 and 2017 are the most in a two-year span in NHL history. So uh, the Pens pretty much know the drill. By now, and that includes a couple of guys who made their NHL postseason debuts in Game One: defenseman Jamie Alexiak and forward Zach Aston Reese. Uh, Alexiak's uh, first career playoff game definitely got his attention, as you probably expected it might. The emotions were obviously there, and uh, I think just kind of the, the fan involvement. You know, I think it was definitely noticeable how loud it got in there, and you know, I think. Uh, just that momentum, he really felt it. So it was it was a cool experience, and obviously it was nice to get the win the first one, and just got to keep going with it. Before, you know, a little bit of anxiety, anxious to get out there, you know what I mean? But once I got on the bench, it was kind of like, okay, like this is comfortable, you know what I mean? Like this is, uh, this is where we're at. And uh, like I said, when the team's playing well, it just makes it that much easier for the team, and I think uh, that was huge, huge for guys playing the first game, playoff game, me and Reese or whatever. I think just kind of, you know, Everyone supporting each other really helped out. Reesey. Him and Reesey, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reeser. Reesey, uh, as it turned out, had seen a Penguins playoff game before. He just hadn't played in one. You know, I came up here last year to see some of the doctors and I uh, got to watch some playoff games, but nothing compares to being on the ice level and, and seeing the, the crowd like that. And uh, I thought it was definitely another pace, another half a step uh, faster, or maybe just the intensity level being that much higher. Um, but it was definitely a harder game out there. Uh, just coming out for uh, for that skate when when uh, right after warmups, um, seeing all the the towels going and, and the yellow shirts, uh, it was a pretty special moment. I think him and Yaxi have played pretty well. <laughs> Interesting that both of those guys mentioned the fans. How how cranked up it is. Yeah, and uh, that was definitely it the was case Wednesday loud. night. That, it was it was really loud there. Yeah, I was psyched to see it as crazy as it was. You know, it wasn't like a St. Louis Cardinals sort of complacency of like, well, we're always here. you know, yeah. you hear that about some of the places where in the arenas where they're they're used to success. And last night, or rather Wednesday night, that certainly wasn't the case. It was as crazy a crowd as I've seen there. Yeah, I tend to forget from year to year just what happens during playoff games. Right. But you go through the regular season, and then just like for the players, it's another level for the fans. They're they're bringing it harder, faster, with more urgency. 
Well, you know, Mike, the other thing was when you walked through the crowd outside at the TV to get in, that usually, you know, that had helped sort of set the tone. It was sort of a little bit of a primer before you got in there. Gave and, you an indication of how wild it was going to be. And it wasn't too nuts you on one You get that at Shales, too. I understand. Yeah, you can go to the Super Bowl and do the same thing. But it, it wasn't too crazy. So no, you, not you, at you all. You kind of left wondering until you got to your seat how, uh, how uh, into it the crowd was going to be, and they did not disappoint. Well, the Penguins sure gave them a lot to cheer about, too. Early goal helped. Yes. And oh, yeah. Was, the the spikes was... for me were like the rusty goal, the Matt Murray save right after the rusty goal, and then when Malkin scored, the whole place yeah. went crazy. And, it's, uh, and pick a Sid goal. Yeah. You know. Well, I'll probably you get three the to one choose that from. he batted in far quarter with authority. Yeah, that'll be the one the I'd one. pick. That'd yeah. be the one, yeah. Uh, interesting hearing from uh, Jamie Alexiak and Zach Aston Reese about their first playoff. Experiences now that that's out of the way. Aston Reese is a veteran. He's he's been there, done that in this NHL playoff thing to the degree that uh, he's got some definite expectations as to where this Penguins Flyer series is headed. I think maybe this, this series might get a little more physical. Um, watching the uh, LA game last night afterwards, there was definitely uh, I think like 50 hits after this, on each side um, after the second, and then there was a ton of big hits in the Winnipeg game too. So um, you know, I thought there were some big hits in our game, but I think uh, moving forward, it's definitely going to get a lot more physical. Yeah, he's played in a playoff game. He's seen a couple on TV, so now he knows what's up, knows where it's headed. Uh, speaking of the hits, there were 66 of those in game one between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. By comparison, Boston and Toronto had 79 in their uh, game one last night. I, I think he's right about that, by the way. I think it is going to ratchet up physically. Uh, I don't think Philadelphia's in desperation mode yet, but that'll be the uh, last act of a desperate man. Yep. So to speak. I don't care if it's the third act of Henry VIII. <laughs> Uh, the biggest hit of the night, I thought, was delivered by Alexiak on uh, Flyers winger Oscar Lindblom. So he was uh, he was right at home, Alexiak doing what he does. He's Pen- a tree. Pens and Flyers game two tonight. Last night, uh, five Simmons two. wanted no part of him. I mean, he did, and then he didn't. Like it was. Boy, weird. I tell you, I didn't notice Simmons other than the one after the whistle, kind of half-hearted. That's what one I'm talking about. Disturbing. I think. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's, typically, he's a force on the ice. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to calm down. From... Their best players were their worst players. Yep. Goss despair with the turnovers. Giroux and... was terrible. Yeah. Tourier was terrible. That'll change. Well, that's kind of what I'm trying to prepare yeah. myself for for tonight. It's not going to be the same game we watched on Wednesday night. It couldn't be. Wouldn't think. Although the problem Philadelphia's got, and we talked about this, well, they, they, they can't keep it out of the net, and that's going to be problematic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how are you confident with Elliot, the guy who gets chased? Or anybody. Yeah, and you got nowhere to you're go. You're confident to. in Elliot because your option's Peter Morazic. <laughs> Well, they've seen Elliott, what, three times this year, twice in the regular season, yeah. once in the postseason, and put 15 in the back of the net? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Come on. It's not a good average. 5-2 uh, Devils over, or excuse me, the Lightning over the Devils last night. 5-1 to one Bruins over the Maple Leafs. Blue Jackets rally to beat the Caps 4-3 to three in OT. Our Sammy Panarin, a ridiculous goal in overtime. And uh, Columbus coming back from a two-goal deficit uh, should not surprise anyone. Uh, Columbus and Pittsburgh shared the NHL lead this season. 
seven wins rallying from a multi-goal deficit, and the Blue Jackets have done that in the postseason in three of their all-time uh, franchise wins. That total is four. <laughs> Games. I'm not talking series or anything. Columbus wins its fourth playoff game last night. First series wow. lead in Columbus <laughs> history at one game. I mean, what a beauty. Not, the sixth man is planning the parade as we speak. There, I love playoff hockey. I don't know if you guys were up late like I was, but I was watching the Preds. Forsberg had one of the filthiest goals I've ever seen. I, I didn't stay up for that. I watched, uh, I did. you know, when there's multiple stuff on, I try to do this all the time, and it never works. I try to bounce around. No, everything. you don't get a and feel for any of the feel, games. But I did. I Boston looked way three gears ahead of Toronto. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that was five to one. Marshawn licked somebody's face last night. <laughs> I missed that. Part. What is he doing? Nose face killer was giving out hickeys. Nose face killer. <laughs> yeah, the rat getting he a is, little licky. Oh, he's such a rat. And, uh, Nashville beat Anaheim, or excuse me, beat Colorado five to two, and San Jose beat Anaheim three. To nothing. Pirates beat the Cubs six to one. Break up the Buccos. Four I, home runs, two from Gregory Polanco. They are nine and three, and now they get to play the Marlins, who are even cheaper than the Pirates. <laughs> the Marlins got outdrawn by their farm team the other night. <laughs> they would probably get outplayed by their farm team. If <laughs> their they Triple A team outdrew them. What is Jeter doing? How could you screw it up that bad? You know, South oh, Florida. Oh, he's a mole for the Yankees. They Jackson just checks apparently. They just don't want professional sports down there, do they? Or they don't want baseball. But the, I don't know. It was pretty popular when they won the series. Not consistently. Game seven wasn't sold out. In the World Series when they beat the uh, Indians. They are three and nine. Pirates are nine and three. Speaking of which, I heard the Caps game wasn't sold out yesterday. I. Uh, did not hear what it, what attendance was over eighteen thousand. I guess sure it what, got to the sold out point. Crazy to me, but uh, Picaro was tweeting about it, saying you know you could walk up and buy a ticket there. They had like cheap seat tickets available. Yeah, well, everybody does. No, I couldn't get one for tonight. Asking a Capitals fan to go to the playoffs is is like, you know, trying to send somebody back into war at this point. <laughs> There's bad memories. There's trauma. Uh, they they start a, having flashbacks. They yeah. are a little pissed down there. All right, Sean Collier's got movie reviews for you when we come back to the new uh, Rampage. It's out based on the old video game, Truth or Dare. Joe Bartnick's coming in talking pens, flyers, getting set for tonight. SNL alumnus and uh, legend Chris Kattan. I mean, that guy had some of the biggest sketches, uh, 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 you know. Mango. Mango, but Night the Brothers, all that, yeah. Uh, so he'll be in Studio 815. He's doing a... I, I'm thinking it's probably some sort of improv set because it's Chris Kattan and friends out at the improv this weekend. Jason Mackey getting you ready for game two. The clock reads in the coffee house. We got tickets to give away during Mike's 830 sports cast for tonight's game two between the Flyers and the Pens. So listen for that. And Val has news. Top of the hour. Valerie, what are you going to be talking about? Well, if you were just sitting in a gas station filling your tank and a naked guy walked up with a sex toy somewhere it shouldn't be, maybe. I don't know. How would you react? That actually happened. We'll talk about it. You're squeegee my window. With. It's the DV Morning Show. Shaw Collier from Pittsburgh Magazine with a couple of movie reviews for you this weekend. If you're, you know, ducking in between hockey games, uh, and it's supposed to rain a little bit tomorrow, so tomorrow's a great uh, theater yeah, day. Tomorrow afternoon. What do you got? What's go? What's what are the movies? What's, well, what's the deal? Rampage. Wait. So all I need to be a Hollywood producer 
is a megastar and an arcade cabinet from the 1980s. That's it. That's all. All right, sure. Here's three. Let's do Paperboy starring Zac Efron. Yes. That'll be good. That'll be a big summer release. We'll do Elevator Action with Melissa McCarthy <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds. Make it kind of a cute. It'll be like a rom-com. And, and then let's do Double Dragon with Beyonce and Tiffany Haddish. That'll make a billion dollars. <laughs> it really Guaranteed. Will. I'm a Hollywood mogul now. That'll be a million dollars for a consulting fee. And I'll take that money up front because if those movies are anything like Rampage, they're not going to turn out well. How can they? I don't even understand how they picked this to be a movie. I didn't think it was that big of a game to begin with. I know. I, I loved playing it when I was a kid because uh, I thought it was kind of funny, but it wasn't a game you got addicted to and played for a long, long time. No. N- nor one you got caught up in the story of. I don't. Yeah, what is the story? Well, I mean, if this was like the movie Contra, I could be <laughs> yeah. like, okay, yes. yeah, I understand. See, right. see, there were some big animals, and they really wanted to punch some buildings. And so they did. That was the story of the video game. I honestly thought that Wreck-It Ralph was like an adaptation movie form of that game. No, that was an original and and thought-out idea, unlike the one we have this week. All right. The Rock stars, of course, as, listen, an army ranger turned paramilitary anti-poaching activist turned world-renowned primatologist, which is one hell of a resume. (laughs) Uh, An evil corporation has invented a thing that makes animals grow super large and super aggressive, which they have done for no reason that is ever offered in the film. So after this, after an accident in space, yeah, it starts in space. Three animals on Earth are infected and they start heading for Chicago because the company that invented the magic animal potion needs the animals to show up in downtown Chicago again for no reason whatsoever. The Rock's best friend is a gorilla named George who is among the affected animals. So the Rock chases him. The problem here. You sat through this whole movie. Oh, yeah. Beginning (laughs) then. Uh, and it was not short. There are many, many problems here. The biggest is is tone. The movie takes itself very, very seriously. It's like that high-stakes action movie thriller tone. It's more of a ripoff of Jurassic World than anything. And staggeringly, plays with 9-11 imagery a lot. That's right. The movie where a gigantic albino gorilla <laughs> likes to flip the rock to the bird, or the other way, flip the bird to the rock. Right. Plays with 9-11 memories. It's, it, and, and surprisingly, it's not the worst thing you'll see all year for two reasons. The Rock is so charismatic that he could wait for an elevator and you'd want to watch it. And Big Angry Monsters is kind of inherently watchable. But that's all the movie has going all for right, it. Yeah, if I'm wrong, but when you lo- like lost or were killed or lost your life force in that video game, you turned into like a naked person. You turned back into a person. Not a part of this plot at all. That's the only a like... A naked person? Yeah. yeah. It's like... You'd fall off the building and you would be... Because you had hulked up and burst through your clothes and turned into... Presumably those were people. The big... Yes. Yeah. And so you'd, you'd kind of walk... You'd sidestep off the screen covering your bits. So they've done bits. away with uh, one of the defining characteristics of the video game. Many would argue the only story element in the video game... The only, yeah. It's does not, like not appear a backstory. But there is a Rampage arcade cabinet prominently displayed in the background of the film. Like, what are, did the villains of the movie get their idea from playing the game? We don't know. They never bothered to decide. I, uh, I bought the Rampage wow. video game for Wii when I got my ah, Wii. Sure. Because I thought it would be fun to just, like, see people yeah, like, it's punching in yeah. the air and stuff. Because I'm pretty sure that's kind of what you did. You just yeah. held the controller and just did a lot of punching and stuff. 
Um, but then it was, it, I felt like I was going to hurt myself doing it. <laughs> Do a rotator cuff injury. Yeah. Just like swinging really hard at nothing. Can't be good for you eventually when you're old. But you so, know what, you know what you, I bet you didn't do when you were playing is think, who are these monsters? Where did they come from? I need from? to know more about them. Yeah. Okay. So this movie sucks and, uh, uh that not was very not, good. not hard to, uh, predict. Okay. No. Truth <laughs> or dare. That's a horror movie called truth or dare. Like like nearly every other horror movie that's come out recently, this is from uh, the studio Bloomhouse Bloomhouse Productions, who basically floods the market with horror movies. They have something out almost every two months. About one in every four of those are really good, and then the rest won't be terrible. They'll be like fun crap, so to speak. So this is fun dispensable. Crap. It is. It's watchable. It's good for a thrill. It, it's not the highest quality. The weird thing about Bloomhouse, one of the good ones they did last year was Get Out. So now, everything they ever put out, it says, from the studio that brought you Get Out, which is yeah. just a little disingenuous. Yeah. This is like if I handed you an expired can of Spam, yeah. and I said, hey, here's this Spam. It's from the same supermarket where you can get ribeye steak. So it's good, <laughs> right? It's all not, Brought to you by Whole Foods. Right. right. Yeah, right. Not relevant information. It's... This is one of those horror movies that I'm like, that wasn't good. I hope they do a sequel anyway. All right. It was Why? not. Well, because it's it wasn't great, but it was kind of that final destination saw like there. It, how are they going to set up a weird death next? So very kind of dumb teen horror movie fun. If you like horror, you'll get a little bit out of it. Okay. It's not a great movie but the reviews have been kind of like yeah okay and i i would agree with that if you like going and having a a, a light fun time at a horror movie but people really like the john krasinski horror movie that one got quiet excellent place i i loved that that uh uh was a fresh idea well executed i mean it's certainly gimmicky but i didn't think that jim from the office would write direct and star in a tense thriller ever so it's it's a nice surprise all right, good deal. Sean, call your Pittsburgh magazine with your movie reviews there. Val's got your news when we come back. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what you wanted to do as a kid and if you are in your dream job. Oh, yeah, it's game two tonight. PPG Paints Arena, a 7 o'clock puck drop. Joe Bartnick's going to be joining us live in studio. Jason Mackey from the Post-Gazette. Your chance to win tickets coming up during Mike's 830 Sportscast. Listen for your cue to call, and you're off to see Game 2 tonight. Clock Reads performing in the coffee house, coming up after 9 o'clock. Looking forward to having those guys in, too. They're pretty badass, so that's all on the way for you. DVE. Benson. It's 63 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by BobbyRayHall.com. I'm Val Porter. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is taking a step towards legalizing the growth of hemp across the country. McConnell, along with Democratic Senators Ron Wyden and Jeff Merkley of Oregon, introduced the Hemp Farming Act of 2018 yesterday. It would legalize and clearly define hemp as an agricultural commodity. It would also remove hemp from the list of controlled substances. And according to the Hemp Biz Journal, there are over 500,000 products made from industrial hemp. They include textiles, building products, animal bedding, and bioplastics. Well, good news for procrastinators. You have a little extra time to file your taxes this year. Usual tax day would be April 15th. But since that is Sunday, it would fall to the next day. But uh, that day is Emancipation Day, which is a legal holiday in D.C. So that means you have until midnight Tuesday 
uh, the 17th to, to file, file for an taxes. extension. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always do mine like October 15th or whatever the last day of that cycle is. I find it's easier for me to, if I file an extension, to uh, absorb the hits from the previous year. That is to say, if I file an extension and I don't start going through all the stupid things I did the year before, they seem a little further removed and I'm not as mad at myself. And I'll be like looking like through my credit card statements. I'll be like, wait, how much did I spend there after one o'clock? Yeah. Why, ah. What the hell was I doing that for? $400. I don't even remember that. I'm a moron. <laughs> Socks. You know, you just start looking through everything you buy and completely regret it. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot I did that on vacation. And you were like, oh, what's the if I can't enjoy myself? And it just seems like every expenditure is completely unnecessary. I didn't need that. I didn't need to do that. Right off. My favorite thing to ask my uh, accountant is, can I write that off? Like for everything. I'm like, I'm all the way down to gum. Well, like, now, now it's nothing. I got to have gum. Really? No, last year, last year you can, moving yeah. Moving forward, though. But going forward, you're kidding. Now it's all standard deductions. It's going to save me a lot yeah, of headaches. Yeah, the standard deduction doubles. What the, uh, Which uh, it was We should move on if you want me to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you uh, talk, talk to the layperson here? Well, instead of keeping track of all your deductions, mm-hmm. you just get deduction doubled. So it was like twelve thousand something. Now it's going to be twenty four thousand. Yes, and I don't have to keep my every receipt at every airport I've ever been. Right, to. because I would, but that's just me. No, but this is how it screws comics though, because right. like guys who are independent contractors, you know, you were able to write off almost everything. I wrote off everything. Not anymore. But is it over? And again, we're getting into technical talk. If it's over that advance, you know, the increased threshold. deduction, do you get the credit for it? No, I don't believe so. Oh. I think that's the whole deal. Is they're like, oh, here's no. what we're going to do for you. We're going to double it, but you get screwed. You don't. If you're over that, that's your own problem. That's how I understand it. Then again, Ask I am a failed expert. I am a failed accountant. So I'm like a <laughs> you know, I'm a doctor with blood all over me going, This is hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, the rapture is being forecast again. Kevin Menson? This guy Wow, is he's really uh stepped <laughs> up his forecast. It up. Yeah. This guy is quite hopeful. A Christian numerologist says the rapture will happen later this month. David Mead says the aligning of the heavens points to the rapture happening April twenty third. Cool. Is that game six or seven? <laughs> Definitely file for an extension then. Right. I mean, there's no reason to pay your taxes. I guess not. If you only get six more days. Can you write off the rapture? I don't even know. Mead says that on April 23rd, the sun, moon, and Jupiter will be in the constellation of Virgo. Some say Virgo represents the Virgin and Jupiter the Messiah due to the red spot in its side symbolizing the Messiah wounded for our sins. Shadube. Rapture. I would... <laughs> tend to point out that the constellations were discovered like a thousand years after the birth of Christ, so this would seem to be a little uh, bit Excuse me, biblically. are you a Christian numerologist? Hey, I, well, I'm just, thank you, just pointing that out. I'll thank you to keep quiet on the matter until you can get accredited right. as a uh, PhD. Is that an ITT tech thing? Christian I, numerology? So that's I think like Trump University. <laughs> the, that's next Monday. Right. Next Monday, I'm taking off. I'm busy. <laughs> I took algebra in Catholic school. Does that make me a Christian in my life? <laughs> <laughs> An Argentinian man ended up in the ER after going to a service station to seek aid when he got rear-ended by a sex toy. The man walked into the station, 
totally naked, pleading for help in getting the device removed hmm. from the back door because he couldn't reach it on his own. <laughs> <laughs> when I he had a friend an, when I was installing this. <laughs> <laughs> when he spotted an ambulance idling outside, he stumbled over to the crew and asked if one of the medics could help him, but the procedure was a little too delicate to complete on the spot. <laughs> Surveillance cameras show the moaning man. This is on video. The moaning man. Being loaded into the emergency vehicle, probably face down and uh, taken to the hospital. Uh, <laughs> face, uh, face down. If you're, if you're the paramedic, you're not pulling that pin. No. You it, don't know what could happen. <laughs> In New Jersey, they'll do it for you. In Pennsylvania, they don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Who are the most admired people in the world? A new poll by YouGov.com asked 37,000 people in 35 countries their thoughts. Bill Gates, number one on the list for men. Or of men. You didn't even give us a chance to guess. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I was waiting. Bill Gates. All right. Who's number two? Christian numerologist. Uh, Beyonce. No, not for men. Uh, Oh, for men. (laughs) It oh, was man. she's number three. It was Hugh Hefner every year, but now it's he's dead. Definitely not Mark Zuckerberg. No, Barack Obama. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Number three, you will never guess in a million years. The most admired man in the world. The Yingling beer guy. Mm. <laughs> or uh, Harrison who? Ford. Dosekis. I got it wrong. Uh, screw me. Hit delay. <laughs> <laughs> not Harrison Ford. Even more but you're on the right track. Huh. Uh, uh, Vin Diesel. This must be for reasons <laughs> I'm not aware of. Steve he, he must do a lot of uh, hum, human uh, humanity things. And human humanity. Balgazard Getty. <laughs> What's the word I'm trying Who to think of? Uh, uh, not philanthropic. Yeah, well, yeah, humanitarian. Sure, sure. Humanitarian. Billy uh, Idol. It's no. a Billy Idol. Jackie Chan. <laughs> what? No kidding. Is number Come three on. on the list. You got a Crawford what out of that one? <laughs> That's like a global star. That's the Asian like vote the came in early. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> the places where he's popular have billions of people. Vladimir Putin is number six. The Dalai Lama number, <laughs> Dalai Lama number seven. Pope Francis. <laughs> the Dalai Lama lost to, to Jackie Chan, too. Yeah, Putin and Jackie Chan. Uh, Pope Francis, 16. Donald Trump is 17. <laughs> Chris Tucker's nowhere on that list? No. <laughs> that's my uh, Number one uh, for women. Who do you think? Beyonce. Most, most admired in the world. Stand no. with Beyonce. In the Oprah. World. Mrs. Obama. She's on the list. Angela An- Merkel. No. I was uh, kidding. Angelina Jolie. Oh, boy. Which she okay. is involved in some humanitarian No doubt about things. it. Uh, so Michelle there's a Obama. delay on this. Beyonce will be there in 10 years. She's adopted her own UN. Uh, Michelle Obama <laughs> is second, followed by Oprah, Queen Elizabeth II, Hillary Clinton. Emma Watson is sixth on the list. Yep. People like her. Uh, Taylor Swift, nine, and Madonna's number <laughs> Taylor 10. Swift's nine? Yeah. Wow. You should have seen my kids' faces when I told them that um, Belle and, uh, like, Emma Watson was in Harry Potter and in Beauty and the Beast. They they couldn't grasp it. Their mind was blown. That was deliberate. Right, I'm going to get out of here. My, <laughs> my mind... I, I was, I'm the one wearing a Harry Potter shirt, and I was like, oh, she's number six. That makes sense. I buy that, yes. Yeah. You're an adult man and I wearing came to, a Harry Potter And I came shirt. to it as an adult. Oh, That's the crazy God. thing. What does that say? It says Hufflepuff. I don't That's think, my I don't, Hogwarts house. How do you wear a Hufflepuff? And I, 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 I have a lot of dumb shirts. Yeah. Now, but a guy over 30 wearing a Harry Potter shirt. Wait a second. Let's not judge him. 
I am. Let's let's find out. How did you come to find out that that's your hat? Did you like put on the sorting hat? I t- I took the official test quiz <laughs> on Pottermore.com. <laughs> okay. Cut six months in the future. I own uh, two Hufflepuff shirts and two hoodies. <laughs> two hoodies. Yes. What what well, kind of questions do you have to answer to find out what kind of house you're in? You know, it'll be uh, it, it's back and forth. One will be like uh, if you we caught another up. A ca- if you caught another student <laughs> cheating, what would how would you confront them? And then the next one will be like river or forest. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. I don't want to make fun of you because I will watch a tweener movie and cry. So, <laughs> this and is, I have a Groot shirt. So th- this is this Groot is, is different. I feel like Groot. Oh, baby, Groot is so cute. Yeah, see, that's why I got no problem oh. with that. Something I, about the the Harry Potter thing. I've never, I never got turned onto it, and everyone's like, "Oh, you'd love it," and I just don't. I don't know. I think well, that's this is a Gen X to millennial difference where something in that generation change. We will never abandon anything. For that reason. Like, oh, that's for kids. Does not factor into our brains in any way, shape, or form. No, you hold on to it. Well, you know, when you don't ever have to not have to, but when you don't ever leave home. Yeah. We have arrested development until we're 62. So, (laughs) exactly. The posters just stay up in your room. Heather Locklear has pleaded not guilty to assaulting the police officers who arrested her last month. According to People magazine, her attorneys entered the pleas on all five charges against the star. Four counts of misdemeanor battery on a police officer, one charge of resisting or obstructing a police officer as well. She faces five years in prison if convicted on all counts. In late February, the 56-year-old actress was arrested after being accused of hitting her boyfriend. Those charges were dropped in March. She is now in rehab. Forecast today, Breeze with clouds and sun temperatures near 80 for the high today unbelievable open the windows get some fresh air in the house yeah let's go it's uh, 64 dve uh chris Catan is running late which is gonna screw us up so joe he said 10 minutes yeah that really puts us by in a hufflepuff <laughs> uh, we'll figure this out. Is that a thing? Hufflepuff is a house. That's a name. That's yes. like House of Scott or something. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm fine with it, Sean. Thank you. I don't I, judge you. I appreciate it. I'm and I don't you. judge anyone because Hufflepuffs are just and loyal. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna judge. Own it. <laughs> he owns it. I'm, I'm gonna judge a little bit. Just a little bit. Dude, what if he pulled a wand out right now and cast a spell on you? I don't have a wand. It's at home on the mantle, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have a wand? I do have a wand. Of course he oh, does. Oh, good yeah. Lord. Come kidding? on. I got it. It's a universal in the, the Harry Potter. Does it have a, does it have a, have a curved you... blade on the bottom of it or anything that you can... Like a sickle? <laughs> no. <laughs> that you can no, but... stab yourself with? Is that the but idea? Like did you get the one that you can cast spells with? Yes, I did. Didn't you go on like a Harry Potter vacation? Yes, we w- we went to Florida just for the Harry Potter oh, stuff. Oh, jeez. And we're doing it again this year for the Stranger Things stuff. But your See? girl's into this too. So this yes. is a couple. Yes, this okay, is a couple. Okay, all right. Thing. I'm actually All right, I'm going to I'm going to Mm-hmm. Take it down a couple of notches, but I also. <laughs> but it's still pretty. High I think, to I think you should. <laughs> I think you should hide it okay. a little bit. It should, <laughs> it should be more of a drug addiction kind of thing, where you, you know, you, 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 a drug you just keep, keep it low. You tell me not to go to the tattoo. I've thought about the tattoo. No, dude. All if right. you do a tattoo of Harry Potter, oh good lord, what would you do? Like a Gryffindor? Or? Look, it's, no, I'm Hufflepuff. No, this but has been made what, what, what's the animal that they oh, fly a, on? A, uh, a, uh, uh, oh, man, now I've, I've lost all my cred for not being able to toss that right out. Oh, you can't get it. Don't, yeah. don't even think about doing that. All right, here's what we're yeah. going to do. We're going to go to a break now. I'm going to come out. I'll let Mike do sports. Is, is Catan's on the way? Can you tell <laughs> Jason Mackey we're going to back him up a little bit? 
All right, good. Tell him he's been bumped for mango. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, look, man, this guy's coming in. You know, I don't want to give him short shrift. You know right. what I mean? Uh, all right, we're going to do a quick break. Chris Catan, SNL alumnus, is going to be in studio. We're going to give away the tickets for Mike Sports coming up here. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so. Can't forget about that. That's next. DV. DVE Sports. All right, break into your, uh, sports with Mike Pursuit a little bit early. Your chance to win tickets to tonight's game two coming up shortly. Mike, it's game two. Pens, pens, flyers, seven o'clock puck drop. And will it be the same dynamic we saw on Wednesday night? Surely the flyers have to put a better foot forward. They do, but you have to wonder at this point if the flyers or anybody else for that matter can score on Matt Murray. The Penguins goaltender will take a shutout streak in the postseason of 206 minutes and 26 seconds into the crease tonight. You're probably wondering, hey, they've only played one game. How can it be right. that long? The last goal Matt Murray gave up in the playoffs was against Nashville's Victor Arvidsson at 13 minutes and 8 seconds of the second period of Game 4 of the 2017 Stanley Cup wow. Final. It is a ridiculous streak. And What is the longest scoreless streak? In, in Stanley Cup history? Yeah. Glad you asked. George Hainsworth of the 1930 Montreal Canadiens went 270 minutes and <laughs> 8 seconds. That was a six-game playoff back then to win the Cup for wow. the for Lace Canadians. Hainsworth's goals against average in the Stanley Cup final that year was 0. 0.75. <laughs> oh, my God. So Murray's got some work to do to catch him. but 1932, he didn't have any pads or a helmet. <laughs> he had pads. No, not like they have now, I mean. Yeah. yeah. They weren't, you know, curving the sticks and firing the puck 100 right, miles an hour. just duct taped a couple pillows to his knees. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure they were playing indoors in 1930. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, it's an impressive streak, and uh, gave Mike Sullivan uh, an opportunity to crow about his goaltender again yesterday. And uh, one of the points that uh, people shouldn't underestimate with Matt Murray, it's not just his size and his ability to play the position uh, in a technically sound manner. He has got the comportment to do the kind of things he's done the last couple of years. He doesn't get rattled when he gives one up. He turns the page and looks ahead to the next one, and he's always uh, studying ways to improve his game. Here's Mike Sullivan yesterday bragging on Matt Murray. Well, it's just such an important position. You know, it's it's arguably the most important position in all sports. And uh, when, when your goaltender makes a timely save for you, like Matt has done for us time and time again, it certainly gives our team... Excuse me, a level of confidence uh, to play in front of him, and uh, you know, as he's still a young guy, and he's he's an accomplished he's an accomplished player for as young as he is. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but he has maturity, I think, beyond his years, and uh, and he's shown that from from day one of you know his very first game in the NHL. He has he has a certain resilience about him, a certain uh, mental toughness that he's able to move by goals that maybe he th- he thinks he should have had or if things don't go the right way he tends to respond the right way and and it's a great attribute to have as an athlete and and most specifically as a goaltender because it's such an important position yeah every goaltender wants to be that guy so few of them are he absolutely controlled that game on Wednesday even the they, they were trying to throw pucks at him from all directions, and he was controlling the play, moving it along, even playing with the puck between his legs the one time. 
absolutely on his game. Yeah, he just he, he gets it. He he studies this stuff. He knows how it's supposed to be done. He works exceptionally hard in practice. He works from year to year on on deficiencies, perceived deficiencies in his game. Um, this guy's in the right place at the right time for the Penguins. That's why he's still here, and he's not doing it alone. Uh, when they play well defensively, as they did against Philadelphia when they're committed to it as they were against Philadelphia in Game 1. It looks like they might never give up a goal. Uh, one of the underrated details of Pittsburgh 7, Philadelphia nothing in Game 1, was the Penguins blocking 24 shots. I, I just think it boils down to commitment and, and doing what it takes to win. And that's playoff hockey, is, uh, is making sure that, that you pay attention to the details, that you have a willingness to to do the little things, the thankless jobs that uh, that that add up to big things, and uh, and I thought uh, to a man last night, I thought our team was locked in. They were they were committed to play uh, at both ends of the rink, both with the puck and away from the puck, and uh, I think the fact that that we were in the shot lanes the way we were, and our willingness to to not only be there but but block shots as well, uh, is an indication of of that commitment to play in defense. Yeah, unsaid there, but uh, a point I thought was significant. When they weren't blocking the shot, they were defending the front of the net so well that Murray could see those shots coming from the blue line. He's not going to give up too many from the blue line. I don't care how many goals the Flyers' defense would have scored. But when he can't see it, he's leaning around, or when it's getting tipped on him in front, or or there are people jostling him, then things can happen. But uh, what a sound game they played. Yes, start I, to finish, and I think that's going to be important tonight. I think in the first five minutes, they they they. I thought they were sloppy actually in the first five minutes, and then Murray made that huge yeah, save. I would, I they, would agree, they can't be sloppy in the first five minutes tonight. But I thought the sloppiness was more neutral zone opposing blue line. I thought they were pretty good coming out. Yeah, no, their breakouts were fantastic, yeah. but they just kind of played around. Because remember, Sherry gave one away, and yeah. that's, what, that's what started the save for Murray. And then I think Zach Aston Reese got a couple shifts up there then. I may be wrong, but I think I thought Sherry got, I thought Sherry missed a shift or two because of it. But I may be wrong. Last night's action, there was a bunch of it. Uh, I tried to watch uh, three games and got a real appreciation for none. I always do that. That I, I was impressed with the Bruins. I, I was sticking with that one because they were flying. Uh, plus, I like watching Toronto lose, so that was five-one <laughs> uh, Boston uh, over Toronto. Uh, Tampa Bay beats Jersey 5-2. to two. The Blue Jackets saw a lot of that game as well. Uh, they rallied from down 2-0 and 3-2 and beat the Capitals 4-3 in overtime. Uh, Nashville beats, uh, beats Colorado 5-2 and San Jose beats Anaheim 3-0. You were probably punching around last night too, right? Oh, uh, yes. Well, you know, I, I glued in on first Boston. It was cool because they were a little staggered. There was a half hour in between, uh, you know, so you could watch Boston and then you can watch Washington. Uh, did you see Cadre's Matt Cook imita- imita- imitation? Oh, I missed yeah. that. Oh, that was evil. On and the boards. Yes. It, it, the guy's kneeling down and he rams him. Charges him and rams him. Uh, I thought that, and I thought the Capitals will rue the day that they gave up a two-goal lead in a five-minute power play to lose game one at home. Two bad Russian penalties in the offensive zone. And the bread man with the filthy goal to end it. Oh, I know. Ridiculous. That was awesome. Ridiculous. Yeah, Washington, uh, Columbus does that coming back, but they were in position to really control that game with the early five-minute advantage. Yeah. Didn't do it, and then they got the lead back in the third and started taking penalties and just just opening the door. And then Grubauer did not look 
that. I mean, Bobo looked amazing for Columbus. Yeah. Grubauer was just kind of a guy, wasn't he? Yeah. He's just kind of a. Your, that was a Hopi esque. Uh, he was your backup. <laughs> That's what he was. Yeah, I didn't think he was terrible, but I didn't think he was great. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't great. He didn't do anything that led you to believe, okay, now they got the guy. Well, like, you know, e- even Anderson, he lost in Toronto, but he looked good for a long time until he just got shot. Oh, they the, were, the Bruins were assaulting the net. Right. Just go, two, three guys at a time. They, they were. Somebody shot them out of a cannon last night. They looked really good. The other filthy one, I, I think uh, Bill said earlier, was the uh, Phil Forsberg. Oh, Lemieux. I, I just ask, saw, and, I, just and saw I don't say that He easily. went through his legs. Yeah. He went through the defender's legs. <laughs> and it's then a, ripped it. It's amazing when playoff hockey, it's supposed to be tighter and everybody is refusing to give an inch. And you still see some of these spectacular what? goals here. Well, the- you know why I think people are ultra-talented and even just a little run like Dowdy. I don't think Dowdy, that was Scott Stevens, you know, that hit. But they, they sent him out of game. He suspended a game. So if you're going to let guys just come dancing through everybody and not worry about their brains being splattered, you're going to get amazing goals. Yeah, Drew Dowdy of the Kings is suspended for game two tonight against Vegas. That's uh, huge. The Golden Knights have a one game to none lead. Uh, Winnipeg's up one nothing on Minnesota. They'll play game two tonight along with Philly and Pittsburgh. Buckos. Beat the Cubs 6-1. to one. They take two out of three in Wrigley. They've got the Marlins in Florida tonight. Pirates are 9-3. and three. And is Trevor Williams starting to establish himself? Pretty good second half last year. Yeah. And uh, six more innings yesterday. Four hits, one run, one walk, and five strikeouts. He's 3-0 and with a 1.56 ERA. Fun guy to follow on uh, Twitter, too. Bucks hit four home runs yesterday, two of them by Gregory Polanco, he's got five. Also fun to watch his uh, yeah. post-game Instagram dance parties. Hey, hey! Like I said, my love works, for the Buccos supersedes my hatred of nutting, but only by a little bit. That's been fun baseball to watch so far. They, yeah, I'm they're happy just, for him, man. They're getting just enough pitching, dude. Watching them make Cubs fans miserable—that is just a in the midst of the hockey playoffs. Yeah. What a nice little bonus in the, in the afternoon yesterday <laughs> to turn it on and watch Cubs fans being miserable. Keep the party going. Well, Wrigley looks great, though, doesn't it? They put a lot of money into it. I hate all the stuff they did, but I don't know. When's the last time you bet you were there and not saw it on TV? To see a game? Yeah. I was there um, last year for the Frozen Four. I hung out in Wrigleyville on the off day. They still have all those tarps over everything and covering up the... the they put up and block the view from the rooftops. Yeah. yeah. Well, was there's such- some that... The, some of the rooftops are now affiliated with the team somehow. The, the team's getting a cut. So some of them... you. You can see from, and others you can't. That guy's got more money than God. I mean, yeah. come to a conclusion. You know, Owners get, are supposed to have more to money a, than God. They're just supposed to put some into the team. Nutting. Did you see how much money he made last year, according up, to Forbes? Yeah. At least the Cubs have a payroll. Hey, how'd you like to go to the game tonight? Well, we're going to have your chance shortly. want to remind you, the big screen is back for all home Penguins games during the Stanley Cup playoffs. So that's only the home games. So they won't be doing it on Sunday. They had DJs. Get down there early tonight. Face painters, interactive games, appearances by special guests, including Iceberg. That's all leading up to it. It's a great tailgate party. Gold outs, again, the norm. Penn's distributing gold T-shirts and towels to all fans in attendance. There's going to be a Coors Light party tent with a DJ outside that near the Mario Lemieux statue. Food trucks scheduled to be available along Center Ave. And outside the Verizon Gate, fans of all ages can put their hockey skills to the test. Several interactive games will be set up, including the Penguins Combine. Fans competing in the multi-step course will receive a voucher for a, a free public skating session at the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex in Cranberry. Pretty cool. Whoa. 
Be caller number. Joe, pick a number. Pick a good luck number. 66. 333-WDVE. And you can win a pair of tickets for Joe tonight's game. Today. Two Pens, Flyers, DVE. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Our buddy Joe Bartnick hanging out with us in studio this morning as well. John Collier here earlier. we got a band coming up next hour. Clock Wreath performing live for you. Jason Mackey. Talking pens and Flyers game two. And in studio right now, he's going to be at the Improv all weekend long. And uh, you might know him from his days on Saturday Night Live. But he is here to do stand-up at the Improv. Well, I should ask you, uh, Chris Catan is here, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, round of applause. Yeah. Round of applause for Chris Catan. Are you, gonna, are you doing stand-up or are you doing, because I saw it was Chris Catan and Friends. Yes, I am doing stand-up. Okay. You mean like am I doing puppetry or something? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you were doing like sketch comedy and you brought a bunch of like Smashing improv any watermelons guys. Or, watermelons. Oh, I love yeah. my watermelons. No, no, I'm doing, I'm doing stand-up. Okay. I am doing stand-up. Friends are, for, friends are you, know, the, the, you know, the other stand-up com- uh, performers, okay. basically. Good deal. So, you know, the funny thing is, uh, well, you're a Groundlings guy. Yeah. And... It seems to me that the Groundlings has kind of taken over Second City for feeding, being the tunnel to Saturday Night Live. Yeah, at least, at, at least late, lately, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It it wasn't for a while. It was, you know, in the very beginning. My dad was one of the uh, founders of it. So yeah, I used to hang out there when I was like seven, eight years old. You know, and I got to see Paul Rubens create Pee Wee. How awesome is that? Sandra do, you know, Elvira. And Phil like, Hartman was there. Phil too, Hartman right? was there too. Oh, and love awesome. it at the time. So uh, that was part of the reason why I wanted to get on SNL, and then uh, and then like uh, then they then there was the wave of you know Phil Hartman and Lovitz and Julia Sweeney who did his Pat, and then mm-hmm. SNL didn't want to take from the Growlings anymore for whatever reason, um, and then uh, then I then you know came the wave like Will and me. And and I actually that's grammatical, right? <laughs> was and Anna Gasteyer also? She was just she was just short right after us. Okay, so she wasn't in the same company exactly. She was like six six months maybe a year uh, behind us. Okay, and uh, she was in the Sunday company at the time. But uh, it was very hard to get Lauren or SNL interested because they were saying like it was hack. They just totally were like dismissing the Groundlings. Why do you think time. that is? How I mean, how much different is it from what they were doing at Second City? I think it was not because it wasn't Second City. I think they were just. They it that was the Sandler Spade time you so know the stand up very, young stand ups were making yeah it was that kind of the mm-hmm. kind of the not mean humor but it was kind of like it was it was a little bit mean it was know? like bro humor bro, it was bro like humor. bro humor and still like a little bit like gays haha you know kind of thing <laughs> I mean, you know it wasn't yeah. really whatever right. it was what it was yeah gay schlitz <laughs> yeah the yeah, schmitz you know, gay schmitz gay it was yeah. funny but you know not quite yeah. right. up to par not right woke was yeah. it woke comedy it wasn't exactly so <laughs> but it is what bro, bros before hoes, so <laughs> anyway, so pros before horrors, hoes was going on those days, and then uh, then we finally got uh, uh, Marcy Klein down to the, the Growlings, uh, who was like uh, the right hand woman of right. uh, Lauren Michaels at the time, and she uh, she was like Lauren, you got to check out this you know Catan and Feral people, and then that's how it started again, and then after that happened, then it became you know it came back to being a vessel, you know, just another mm-hmm. like Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph and just. Right. Keeps coming now. And you they know, just they got just an, every 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 other year. There's a new cast member from SNL. There's a girl who just joined this year whose name escapes me. Who's brilliant? I don't remember. Yeah, she she was in the main company. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so I your dad founded the Groundlings. He was one of the founders. Yeah, That's him and John Paragon and Gary Austin and Paul Rubens. 
and uh, a couple other people, Doug Cox, a few other names. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So I there. didn't realize that Paul Rubens was one of the founders. I thought he was in, in the early uh, productions, but I he didn't he was one of the yeah he was one of the found yeah yeah like nineteen seventy five seventy six wow seventy seven. So when the Pee Wee special happened on HBO, was that like? That was like 79 or 78, 80? Yeah. I was going to say around 80. He did a show at the Roxy, and I think that's what became the HBO special. And it was just incredible. Now, like, Phil Hartman was in it, and... Yeah, uh, he was one of the writers. Captain Carl. Right, Captain Carl, and John Paragon was doing the genie, Michael Lechahai, Michael Hani Ho. Was Edie McClurg in that, too? Yeah. Yes. It was so Kermit was, Hattie. So was... Um, was Lawrence Fishburne in the original? You know, no. he... Oh, he was. No, I think he, he was. He was in the show. He was in the show. He was in the show. Not the original. Not the stage. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. But he was in the he was in the television show. And uh, oh, I forget who the other girl was um, that did. Miss Yvonne. The, yes, Miss Yvonne. her name? She was, oh my God, Lynn Stewart. Am I right? Let me check. I'm, I'm not sure, sure if that's it, but yeah, Miss Yvonne was, she was hilarious. Lynn Stewart was also one of the original members. So. You know, and, and you know, uh, Phil Hartman uh, wrote uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, too. He was yeah. uh, the other writer on that movie. So uh, yeah. he was a great writer. Right, but that, that. that was the great thing about the Groundlings is that they really, and that's what helped me do stand-up, too, later. Right. Because I was originally an improv uh, comedian, and uh, but the Groundlings teaches you how to write, you know, because you create characters. Uh, and the best way to survive Saturday Night Live is knowing how to write, mm-hmm. you know, especially write for your character. You know, there's writing as a stand-up player. But when you're a stand-up performer on SNL, it's great for you, but you're not used to doing eye contact with other players. You're used to doing something for the audience. So you're not exactly yeah. working with other players right off the bat. You know, you have to learn a little bit more about communicating with other actors and give and take later. So, And I had to you, were, learn uh, the opposite. I had to learn how to go towards the, uh, the audience as opposed to working with other people on stage when I started doing stand-up, because I only started doing stand-up right. like six years ago. But don't you, it's so easy to tell when the guys join SNL who come from a stand-up background versus the guys who come from the sketch background because of the way they relate to people on stage or don't think relate. So. Yeah, well, they relate, but they, there's, a, there's a delivery difference, you know? They have a different, mm-hmm. they, they, uh, they're more aware of the writing of the joke. They're, they're aware of the joke more mm-hmm. than the, the, the people at the ground were more aware of the situation mm-hmm. and the character. I think, you uh-huh. know, and so they don't miss the joke, but they don't, ju- they don't just hit it as hard, I think, right. you know, and they don't rely on the writing as much, you know, they, they'll give to it as a performer, as a stand-up performer, but they don't give it to, give uh, a lot to it as a, uh, I, I'm, I hope I'm not being rude to the world of stamps, no. but you know what I mean, like, the, it's no, just it's a, a different, different world, and we still meet together, I mean, it's fantastic, one would not do well without the other, honestly. But like what prob- I learned from Spade and Norm Macdonald is like tremendous, right? You know? And it probably is part of what, the, like you know, the the gumbo that makes that show work because right. uh, you know, it, were it more pure sketch stuff? I mean, you know, I mean, I know Christopher Guest kind of like was like always a stickler for that kind of stuff. He hated if anybody broke character and stuff. You know, that's he, yeah, that's the thing. You learn, you know, you, it's hard to. Uh, that's what we're like in growlings. You like you commit. You have to commit. Yeah. So commit. that's why the Jimmy Fallon laughing years, like uh, like people didn't understand, right? Uh, why some cast members might have not loved that he did that. Yeah, that's it. Wasn't uh, I mean it worked with the audience and people loved it generally. People and like when people break. We in. loved it as friends, but sometimes it was like a little bit. Take, we were taken out of the scene, you know. Yeah. Was it hard for people not to break character when you were licking their face? Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as Mr. Peepers? Yeah, I guess. Well, it was usually a guest host that would 
break character, so that was fine, you know. Yeah. Charlize Theron started laughing. Charlie, it depended on how what kind of an actor you are. Like Charlize Theron is really intense. Yeah. So she just got into it and would just like hump <laughs> me back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just fantastic. I, I love it. Right. You know. But The Rock was like laughing, and you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it depended on the kind of performer you were. Oh yeah. Did you did you do a mango scene with with The Rock? No, I did a Mr. Peepers with The Rock. Oh, okay. He played Papa Peepers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was such a fun. physical character. It was very physical. Yeah, that's and all I could do was commit. You know, you because were way in. You don't it, know. Man. You can't tell. You're definitely not waiting for laughs. You're just going for it. You can't like stop doing character and then go. Okay, am I getting laughs? Right. Okay, I'll keep going. <laughs> you don't really hold for laughs. You know, you just do it and you're going mm-hmm. ape. Right, ate, literally. Ate crap, I yeah. guess you can say. And, uh, you know, you're e- eating whatever. I'm going nuts. You were you know? flying whatever. through, like, fruit and throwing. It was, yeah. like, yeah. the funniest thing <laughs> in the world. It's an absurd character, yeah. and it really didn't take much to write. But it's about commitment and getting the guest host to do something crazy as well. And that was right. the whole point of it. I guess that would be kind of akin to, like, you know, Billy Joel writing a song in a super high key, though. Tough to keep that one going <laughs> yeah. into your later years. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess it is high. It, it, depending on your testicles, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I read that you were born, on, you're not born, but you were sort of raised in sort of like a zen, uh, like... Uh, a community? community? Yeah. yeah, you could say that. That So that's pretty cool. It sounds like total California thing that would never happen around here. Yeah, well, it was not, uh, it wasn't typical. It's probably what influenced me to go into my head and create, you know. Mm-hmm. They say, you know, create something out of nothing. I was forced to do that, you know, and suck on rocks. I did that a lot. Sucked on rocks? Well, yeah. You, just <laughs> <laughs> you know how, like, if you're camping and they say, like, if you're, you need to, you're running out of water, water yeah. it creates saliva. Oh, yeah. So you could take. You suck on the rocks and that creates a saliva. That's in case Survivor so any, Man. Anybody right. out there with a the radio that's listening to this and you got a snake bite and you're dying, suck on a rock. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a survival thing. So yeah, because we're up in the mountains, you know, it's up in Mount Baldy uh-huh. and uh, there wasn't much going around. I remember going on that, you know, not too many kids and uh, my mom and stepdad lived up there. My dad lived in Sherman Oaks while he was doing the groundings. And Your go, mom was like a model, right? She was a model, yeah. yeah. She was a model and uh, she's actually in the Hard Day's Night. She's uh, one of the no kidding. girls running away from the Beatles or running after the Beatles, not running away. You said, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see Beatles that were, Beatles movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get away, it's the Beatles. Get out of here. <laughs> Hide this phone booth. It's me too, the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No time to hashtag. Do they have those phones yet? No. Forty now but let's go in time but so yeah that, that but she was in that but she so she remarried and uh my stepdad and there was a they built the zen center together uh with you know obviously construction going on not just alone uh and leonard cohen was part of that no kidding so, yeah so that was uh i didn't have any appreciation for him at, at a young age i didn't know obviously i was like five six i don't know what leonard cohen you know, I had right. It wasn't like you, you're right. I'm yeah. like, I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, I like Tinker Toys and poems. At what point did you figure out, like, oh, I did not have a uh, an upbringing that was quite like everybody else's? Well, because I longed for it. I was like alone. So you knew that it was that while you were being brought up that way that that this was a different. Yes, because okay. it wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, oh, sorry. I wasn't around. I don't know why. I apologize. I, I was around. <laughs> I wasn't around other ch- children that often, except for school. I did go to school. There was a small school up there, from uh, uh, kindergarten up to eighth grade. It was the same wow. kids for like uh, sixty kids. The same sixty kids. So that was um, the compulsion to make people laugh, is because you were like. Oh. Uh, 
Well, uh, we had to find find our thing, and my first thing was ma- doing impressions of teachers. So I did a teacher impression, you know, and kids love that, you know. Yeah. yeah I wasn't <laughs> the guy. I did suck on rocks. Right. The only right. other talent I had. <laughs> you know. I did do one impression that was of Rod Serling from the Twilight Zone. Oh, that yeah. Was the only, I put my lift up and go, good day. No, you're in another, another dimension. Right. So, <laughs> really, you know, you look really like stupid. him a lot, though. Thank you. So I do my upper lip. How <laughs> was it that you felt like, all right, when you were doing SNL, you uh, you had such a great chemistry with Will. Yeah. Uh, and the two of you really did a, a great job together. Oh, thank you. Um, and I, I'm imagining that that was uh, born from days on the stage at the Groundlings. Yeah. Were there things you guys did at the Groundlings that you were like, oh, I wish we could have brought that to the mainstream. Yeah, I think they were <laughs> they weren't really appropriate. That's why I'm, I'm guessing there was some... <laughs> there was one oh, I can't even that's wrong. <laughs> that's no, that's wrong too. I think I'm trying to remember. There was one uh yeah, th- there was one thing where we played children that was kind of funny, but actually we we uh perform even though the exact that idea wasn't, you know, never made it to SNL. Those kind of uh, characters we came up kind of translated and turned into other things. Like uh, a lot of the stuff, a lot of what, uh, like for example, Will's uh, performance in Elf, uh, mm-hmm. that was came from something, you know. Right. It wasn't exactly, here's my, this is my character, I'll make it Elf, or, you know, based on, it was like something he's already had done already you so know? that yeah that that's, was not that was not foreign to you when you saw exactly that. Oh. yeah and that's that's the same for a lot of people like sure. apparently like like amy sedaris tells me all the time or paul Danello, who worked together at uh strangers at uh, second city uh, exactly second yeah. city and they say that you know steve carell they're like you know when steve carell made it big they're saying like well that's what steve does you know that's what steve who he does what he does so right. his performance in the films and stuff is like well that's his his thing you know yeah. so it wasn't a surprise for them it was for me and i was a huge fan and they are, they are obviously too but you know, when you're starting out and you're amongst the same people, you know, it's like being in school. Like, if you see someone, whatever, become, whatever, a local, I don't know, a newscaster, and you were, you're <laughs> you like, remember her as Susie Q at age 12, I don't know. You're like, oh, yeah, she and was like, built yeah, to do that. We was, she was built to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that there were things like that amongst your contemporaries, like when Danello and Amy Sedaris, and they did Strangers with Candy. Right. and uh, I mean, that was like, you know, with Colbert, right. brilliant. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. So unbelievably funny. Right. But not mainstream. Like, no, it was not mainstream, no. So is it still no? It's still not mainstream, is it? Not really. No, no it's kind of a it's it's, even less mainstream now. <laughs> yeah, it's like it has a little bit of a cult following. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's kind of like the same thing with bands where musicians kind of like they're like they don't want to become too popular, right? You know, yeah. there, there's that sort of you wanna you wanna have like the people who get it, right? Dig what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, was there any of that when you hit big with? SNL, like, oh, this is so mainstream. I can't really do the avant-garde stuff that I... Oh, for sure. Will and I were not... We we loved doing the Roxbury, but we were not crazy about the movie when it came out. You know, we were like, oh, jeez. Right. <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's not the, the greatest did, film, obviously. It's no, not. but and does that, like... us, it was like... Could you have you said know, no to that? Uh, We could have, but it would have not been a... You know, it, it was... That's how it started for both of us, you know? Yeah. You know, and... It's everything is it's a pro- part of the process, you know. And, you know, it's, we're grateful that it happened. You know, yeah. he's grateful. I am too for for different reasons. And uh, you know, it really was a starting point. You know, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have gotten old school had it not been for that, or I mm-hmm. wouldn't 
gotten, you know, undercover, whatever. Right. TV stuff and uh, different films, yeah. and, you know, just wouldn't have happened. You did the middle for like eight years or something like that, right? Yeah, well, less than that, but, you know, the middle or how I met you, whatever, you know, films, Haunted Hill, House, and whatever. Go on IMDb. Right. There's Corky, like that. <laughs> Corky, Corky Romano. stuff like that. Right. But anyway, you know, um, I just, you know, wouldn't have happened. Right. You know? I just didn't know if, like, there's this thing with uh, Broadway where if, if, uh, Lauren says you're you're doing a movie on those characters. Right. If you push back at all, that that would be like the worst idea for your career. Right. Yeah. Because like you know, I mean the the amount of SNL characters which later became movies. You know, right. the success rate is not great. Right. But for comedy nerds like us, I mean, we've seen them all. You know, whether it's it's Pat or um, the uh, Tim Meadows one, which the is, ladies man, ladies yeah, man. right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even uh, the superstar. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, it was called Superstar. Yeah, yeah. Mary Catherine Gallagher, right? Molly Shannon. Yeah, yeah, they're not always the best movies, but like they're they're really fun and funny. And I would imagine yeah. that if you thought like, now nah, this is really good for a three minute sketch, exactly, and that's what they get reviewed as is it was good as a three minute sketch, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it keeps you in the good graces. Oh yeah, those yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, and you're learning the ropes at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Chris Catan's at the Improv this weekend. Four one two. Four six two five two three three improv dot com. So you're doing stand up this weekend, yes. And uh, so, like, who's your stand up influence? Like, if you're like watching stand up, uh, well, Bill Burr is one of the greats right now. Yeah. Um, you know, so current influence, yeah. Uh, you know, um, Artie Lang, I think. So, like, stylistically, really, Burr well, and for, Artie. Like his, well, yeah, I think for humor right now, yeah, I think they're great. Um, but is that who you emulate on stage? Oh, I'm no, 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 no. Well, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Steve Martin, uh-huh. you know, um, uh, you know, Jonathan Winters, you know. Um, see, I could see you do Jonathan Winters being the, a, a big influence on you just based on what you've done in the past. Yeah, 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 definitely. But, I mean, Eddie Murphy, I don't know, even though that may not be my style, it's still a great influence, you know. Burr was here Steve last Martin. week, and we were talking about that. Eddie Murphy, Delirious, mm-hmm. and Raw. Like, oh my God! Yeah, the one Delirious, two, incredible. Is like the it was like our Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Yeah, it was. When he came out in the red suit. It like everyone in my generation, yeah. like no, we got to be. Everyone can repeat certain bits verbatim. Oh, when he did, you know, and that's how he was for me for sketch comedy. When he did, you know, when he did Mister Robinson's <laughs> Neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, and oh yeah, when he Buck came Wheat. out, yeah, Buckwheat, Buckwheat, <laughs> Buckwheat has been shot, Mister Wheat. Yes. Yeah. Or that one sketch where he broke the fourth wall instead of the audience because he messed up. He goes, so I messed up. Shut up. Yeah, right. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> That's what made me want to do that show, you know, SNL. Right That's really, really, really what it was. And it's really important. To, I'm glad you asked that because it's important to remember your idols and what influences you because that's what reminds you why we're here, you know, right. as a performer, why you're in it. Yeah. I, what, I, what you're in it for. I'll always listen to the stuff I listened to in my room as a kid. Like, I always go back to those albums. The Carlin. Like, what about you? What was your. Well, Carlin was the big oh, one. Oh, George I mean, Carlin, of course. I mean, I'm my sorry. dad gave me all the Carlin albums when I was way right. too young to listen to them, and he was like, don't tell your mom. Right. And, and those were the ones. That and Bill Cosby. I mean, I listened to Bill so Cosby. much oh, Bill Chicken, Cosby. Chicken Heart. I remember Chicken Heart, you know. Dude. I, as a kid, I loved Jim Carrey. His stand up, it was yeah. called An Unnatural Act, and he would do these crazy impressions. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't even think of Jim Carrey as a stand up comedian. Well, he was big, you know. So big in the 80s, stuff. early 80s. I, I liked also, you know, who I also liked more the, uh, I don't think it was intellectual, but it's more neurotic, like a Mark Maron, like the original ones, like Albert Brooks. Oh, and yeah. Woody mm-hmm. Allen. Woody Allen's stand up is incredible. Oh, it's hilarious because yeah. yeah. he's a brilliant writer. Yeah. 
I know. And he came from that amazing sketch show. The, the greatest one was your show. Shows, yeah, which, which is, is Woody Allen, Mel Brooks, Sid Caesar. Oh, Sid Caesar was a star. Yeah. Uh, and Neil Simon. Danny Simon. Yeah, amazing. And um, Woody so, Allen's books are great to read. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Side Effects Without Feathers. Oh, Side Effects and, yeah. is just one of the greatest books. They're all books. awesome. Yeah. Laugh out loud. All right. So, I haven't read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, oh, they're, they're great. great. Yeah, highly yeah. recommended. Yep, yep. Um, You know. If you can separate the artist from the art or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Separation for a, or a, uh, a conversation for a different time. Yeah. Sure. Uh, all right. <laughs> Jay and uh, uh, I just want to say congrats to Jay. He won those pens tickets. We oh, gave congrats, Good to Jay. Jay. And uh, congrats to you, Chris Catan, Thank who you. is, uh, you know, kicking butt this weekend at the Improv. And uh, best of luck. Thank you, sir. I'm Go to Improv.com, 412-462-5233, Improv.com to get tickets to see uh, SNL legend Chris Kattan. Hey, man, it was great to meet you. Great Thanks to be here, so man. Have a great us. time. Thank Appreciate you so much. My favorite thing to ask my uh, accountant is, can I write that off? Like, for everything. I'm like, I'm all the way down to gum. Like, well, now nothing. I got to have gum. Really? No, last last year, year you can, yeah. Moving forward. But though. going forward... You're kidding. No, it's all standard deductions. It's going to save me a lot yeah, of headaches. Yeah, the standard deduction doubles. What the, uh, Which uh, it was We should move on if you want me to talk smart. <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Joe Bartnick hanging out with us here live in studio this morning. Thanks to Chris Catan for coming in. A- interesting guy. Real interesting mm-hmm. life. Yeah, he grew up in the mountains. On a, in a zen... On a zen farm. Zen farm. With a, with a hot model... Mom. Yeah, his mom was in Playboy. Who ran away from the Beatles. I didn't want to ask him that because that seemed weird. But like, Oh, she was? She was in Playboy, yeah. And she was like an Italian-Hungarian model. And then his dad was, as you heard him say, one of the founders of the Groundlings. I mean, that's pretty His dad cool. had some game yeah. back in the day. Right. Joe, how we doing over there? We good? Jason Mackey on the phone right now? Uh, Jason Mackey from the Post-Gazette joining us right now to talk game two, Flyers, Penguins. Jason, what's up, man? How are you? Uh, doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Yesterday was the uh, 47th anniversary of the Grateful Dead playing at the Civic Arena, just so you know. Yes, sir. Thank you. And you see Isbel on uh, Wednesday. There's going to be a live stream of this show. In Orlando. Yep. On this coming Wednesday night. I love the live yep. streaming stuff, man. I'm all about couch tours. Oh, I know. I know. I don't think enough gets said about it. It's a tremendous way to watch a show. You know what? I, I, I was trying to figure out why I was enjoying that so much versus just putting on a DVD of a concert. But I guess it's like the idea that the event is live. It's the same reason why Saturday Night Live is better when you're watching it live as opposed to taped the next day. You know, the the uh, uh, unplanned things that can happen, the improv and whatnot, just the idea that anything can happen, I guess, is what makes it so thrilling. But, boy, I didn't think I would like doing that. And I can't believe how good... The sound is from those live feeds. Oh, I know. And the production quality of, of stuff like the Isbel thing from Nashville. I mean, I just watched that over and over again. That is so good. And I, I, yeah. just, I love them live, too, especially yeah. right now. It's tremendous. Stuff. Oh, his band is uh, is on fire right now. Penguins are pretty yeah. good live, too. Yeah. that You could watch that game one over and over again. Do you think that Dave Haxtall made his players do that? Or did he say, forget that ever happened? I would just. I would think he forgot it ever happened, um, although I don't really have a good read on what in the world Dave Haxtall is doing. Um, <laughs> like he's, seriously, he's sticking with Brian Elliott tonight, and I'm not sure why. Um, so, I don't know, maybe he rubbed their noses in it. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, if I was a coach, I wouldn't find any redeeming value in watching that thing. I mean, that was about as poor as a team can play. 
They were really bad from a right. goaltending standpoint, but they're not going to Mrazek tonight. They're going to stick with Elliott. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. I guess that Mrazek is not a huge boost for them. I mean, he gave up a couple coming in uh, in relief. So not feeling very confident. But you still, all that being said, that there's not a lot for them to hold on to or build on from that Game 1 performance. You have to believe it's going to be a lot tougher for the Penguins tonight. Yeah, I mean, the Penguins talked a lot about this yesterday at practice. Um, not necessarily this being a trap game, but just being a little bit difficult to navigate because you're feeling good. The other team is clearly hacked off, um, and they know that they're going to get the Flyers back. They know the Flyers were embarrassed and, and that they want to prove that that is not them. So I, I do think the Penguins are thinking about this the right way, and they're aware of those situations. I, I wrote today that they have some, have had some issues with the games after a blowout loss in the playoffs, but I think this group has learned quite a bit, um, and I also think the Flyers just aren't very good. So, I mean, that might be a sort of a mitigating factor in any of this. Yeah. Uh, Gino, once again, you know, I kept saying it was the tale of two Genos. It was the worst of Gino. It was the best of Gino. <laughs> and that was only in the first period. Um, what kind of things uh, is uh, Mike Sullivan going to point out to his team? Uh, cut that out. Yeah. I mean, there were some things. I feel like they're kind of nitpicky, but. Uh, yeah, but that's, you know, you, know you, you can afford to be nitpicky right now after <laughs> pulling in their clocks. You know, let's let's really fine tune this thing. Yeah, and Sully's not the type to sit there and, and rest on his laurels. And, I mean, he'll find some stuff wrong. Um, if I was Sullivan, what I'd be sort of critiquing is some of the odd man rushes they allowed. Patrick Hornquist talked about, you know, the, the stuff off the rush yesterday, cleaning that up. Um, the power play didn't have one of its best nights. I don't know if you're really going to tweak anything there or coach anything differently. Um, I'm just talking if we're going to sort of assess had, the yeah. performance. Yeah, the, the, they probably, you know, they allowed a little bit too many gray days early on but again it's just I, I can't come up with a whole bunch of stuff that you really need to fix at this point just keep keep going and don't have a letdown jason anybody who has uh, spent any time around the penguins since mike sullivan got here has heard him stressing defense and talking about how you can't score your way to a championship that's it's been his mantra right yeah oh yeah and and i think people are probably surprised maybe looking in from the outside at how much Sullivan does emphasize defense. I think he runs into some issues or has run into some issues with players caring as much as maybe he would like um, in October, November, and December just because <laughs> the season's so long. And I think Sully has to, you know, know when to hold him and know when to fold him. And uh, He's, he's kind of had to let it go a little bit and just let the Penguins be the Penguins this season. But um, when they pay attention to detail, this is not a bad defensive team, in my opinion. I mean, they're not a lock it down. They're not going to trap you or do anything like that. But, I mean, they can pressure the puck. They can force turnovers. They can use their speed. And a lot of the time, the Penguins want to have the puck. And when just, they're going well, it doesn't matter what kind of defense they're playing. And, and just not taking those unnecessary risks and, and chances that that can hurt you at the other end. Uh, it, it's funny, we talked to Josh Yoey this week. And we were kicking around whether or not when Sullivan is harping on defense the way he does, if he's just in secret trying to get them to play it some of the time. <laughs> you know, understanding who they yeah. are. But to me, game one, uh, they they obviously responded. He No, he actually believes that. And uh, uh, when when it's time to play it, they're willing to play it. Would you agree? No, I, I Absolutely. And I think that's what we saw down the stretch. You know, I, there were a lot of questions late in the regular season, I feel like, about, you know, is this team good enough defensively? And I 
like I said before, I think it was more of a care factor than an ability yeah. factor. Like they just, you know, covering for one another, supporting the puck, that sort of stuff. I mean, um, they did it great in game one. I think they're perfectly capable of doing it great in game two. And to your point, Mike, I look at somebody like Chris Letang, um, when we talk about walking that line of taking unnecessary risks, and he's done a lot of that this season, but I thought in game one he was perfect. He walked that line tremendously, and you know that's what they can be when he does that. And their ability to, to, to pay attention to the back check, or their willingness, I should say, boy, it couldn't have been more obvious. You know, the Penguins were doing it all night, and on the Malkin goal, the Flyers were completely disinterested. Oh, I know. I, I Vor- Voracek leaves the ice Flyers. rather than try to check Malkin, and then Giroux just coasts coast in behind him and watches. Yeah, and then Goss Despair was like, I don't know, 60% engaged on that, that move and defending Malkin and, and whatever. It's, I, you know, I don't, I don't think they're a real strong defensive team. I, I know I've repeated that. I don't think they're a real strong any team, but uh, they're not real deep on the back end. Um, you know, Couturier, if, if you're going to talk about a defensive forward, and I know some people put him on their Selkie ballots. I wasn't one of them. I haven't seen that, but uh, you know, the Penguins are, in my opinion, easily capable of being a better defensive team than Philly, and they were in game one. The fourth line saw a lot of ice. They played very well, but it was a blowout. Do you expect Coach Sullivan to play them just as much in the next this game two, or do you think yeah. it's going to be back to three lines and a little sprinkling of the fourth? No, I think Sullivan liked what he got from the fourth line, and I think he's kind of um, understanding what that line is going to bring, and it's not necessarily goals, and that's okay. He's going to get enough goals from his top nine. Uh, but there were two separate shifts in that game, one that preceded the Hagelin game, where the fourth line just had the puck a lot. They created a couple turnovers, got a couple hits, and that's what they're looking for from those guys. Just have extended shifts. Just wear down the opposition. And, you know, the, the fourth line, I thought, took a really big step in the right direction. Uh, that line's never going to score a ton, but if they play the way they did in game one, Sullivan will use them, you know, a healthy eight or nine minutes a night, I feel like. Jason Mackey from the Post-Gazette uh, joining us right now. It is Penn's Flyers, game two tonight. Did you see what happened in uh, uh, Washington last night, Jason? Which, what about it? Them, them losing or Panarin's goal? or Both of those things. <laughs> the goal was sweet, although there were a couple of uh, sweet goals last night. Yeah, no, we were uh, we were down a couple of us at Smoking Joe's last night. And you picked that one, didn't you? I did actually. Yes, or Temi Panarin won me a few dollars. Yeah, uh, that was just Sick. crazy. That goal. I heard you guys talking about the Forsberg thing too, and I, I totally agree. I mean, that was just absolutely nuts. And it is weird. Like I thought this in the Penguins game, and I thought this in a few other playoff games. Like how much open ice there is, and I don't know whether that's because of you know you, you know don't want to get suspended like Dowdy or something like that or, or what it is, but like the the ease with which the Penguins were able to move the puck the other night was striking. I mean, there were just there, there was a lot of open space that you generally don't get in playoff games, and I think it was a little bit better yeah. uh, last night in the games, and, and Boston was really, really good. I'm not sure if that was just at ease or being that much better in Toronto. but Yeah, I think it might be the latter. I, I think it yeah. might be the latter. I'm surprised that Toronto's not better than they are, Mike. I'm Honestly, surprised they weren't better be all season. I thought they'd yeah. be better all year. I, yeah. yeah. It's funny. It, it, it reminds me it's not easy. Uh, I mean, Toronto had the good showing in the playoffs last year, young up-and-coming team, and you think, oh, they're, they're on their way. Well, maybe not. Well, they had a good year, and uh, they they had a lot of injuries. I mean, you know, Matthews was hurt a lot. And I think that, I mean, Snyder most – wins ever by a Toronto goalie, and they think they had the most home 
they, their best record ever is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I think their defense needs some work, too. I mean, they have Ron Hainsey playing just a, a ton of minutes on a top pair, and I, I like Morgan Riley, but I don't know. I look at them and how much they allow teams to get to Freddie Anderson. and they, Boy, it was I, an easy pass to the net, wasn't it, last night? I know, and they, they need some help there. I wouldn't be surprised in the offseason if they, they pony up and get get one of the big boys or get you know I don't, I don't know Carlson would be in the cards I'm not saying that but you know they need a number one you know Malkin was only uh, a couple of inches away from having two of the most incredible goals of the postseason so far uh, the, the Sid picking one out of midair on the way to a natural hat trick mm-hmm. the stars are shining for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now feel the thrill didn't really uh, didn't really get it going to his capabilities in game one I, I like to see 81 out there tonight Getting it done with a couple of rifles, a couple of feeds yeah. from Brazzers. <laughs> oh man, Phil Phil's been good though, man. How about how he finished the regular season? What was that in Columbus? That game he had that was incredible. But I mean, it's just it's the way this team is. You know, a guy can be quiet for a game or two. Geno's had him, and then all of a sudden he does that. You know, and, and mm. there are very few teams that are going to be having that many layers of scoring. I feel like that that the Penguins can do, and I, I liked a lot of what that line did. I thought I know they were kind of quiet. Broussard got his goal on the second power play unit with Gensel, but um, you know Broussard was just getting back into it five on five. I'm not sure I'd, I'd worry about that at all. Jason Mackey of the Post Gazette. Hey man, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks guys. Enjoy it. All right, man. We'll see you upstairs right now in the coffee house, the Point Park University stage in the Permanis DVE coffee house. We got the clock reads. John, Jason, Michael, and Steve collectively making up the group. What's up, guys? How are you? What's going on, man? How are you? Uh, great, man. I'm really looking forward to, to hearing what you guys have for us. Tonight, you're at the Rex Theater for Inner Peaks album release show. Uh, Glenn Struther is also playing with you. The, the great Glenn Struther. <laughs> the badass. Uh, a lo- shredder. Dude, he is a shredder. <laughs> Keep up with that guy. And then uh, uh, the Afro, uh, Afro... How do I say this? Yaki. Yeah, Afro Yaki Music Collective. Mm-hmm. And where are they from? They're from Pittsburgh. Uh, one of our good friends, Ben Barson, who's played with us many times at the Rex, uh, leads that band. Right, he's cool. a baritone saxophone player. Yeah. Oh, right on. Okay, and, and what time do you guys get going tonight? We'll probably be on around like 10.30, uh, 11, after, uh, after the two acts. Um, but we're really looking forward. Oh, sorry, but the, show, the whole show starts at 9, so okay, yeah, get cool. out early. Right on. Uh, the Clock Reads ban- band is where people can buy stuff? Yeah, we have an online store, and you can check out all our music there. Uh, the new album just dropped on Spotify and all Inner streaming Peaks. services. Mm-hmm. Inner Peaks is the name of the new album? Yes. I, I'm looking forward to hearing this, man. You guys, uh, for those who have not heard the the, uh, the clock reads, you're in for a treat. What do you got for us here? Uh, this one's called Plug, man, and it's uh, one of our cuts off the new album. Hope cool. you enjoy. Here they are, the clock reads, DVE.
Andy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show upstairs in the coffee house. One more time, the Point Park University stage in the Permanis DVE Coffee House. The Clock Reads are hanging out in anticipation of tonight's record release for their new one, Inner Peaks, which will drop uh, today, tonight. And you can uh, be there in person to see them performing it live for a 9 o'clock show with Glenn Struther Project and Afro Yaki Music Collective. And you guys got one more for us from your new record? Yeah, man. Well, this one is a is a band classic. We thought we'd play. Oh, good. Yeah, cool. <laughs> well, that's good. I like you know uh, give people your your whole catalog. You know, give them an idea of where well, how far you've grown. You know, exactly, man. Yeah, it's been a good three four years, man, and developed the sound pretty well. And uh, this is a classic called Spumoni Bumba. It's a classic. Clock reads on the DV Morning Show. Take it away. <laughs> Sticky, 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 
Pursuit of the twirling, man. Yeah, it was good. I was doing the air bass. I, uh, yeah, you, you were swapping that bass. Twirl. I do the air instruments. Air bass. <laughs> uh, Rex Theater tonight for uh, the Clock Reads. Great stuff, guys. Thanks so much, man. Thank you Thank so you. much, Randy. Thanks for having us, man. Sure thing, man. Awesome. You had job. Mike high kicking in here, man. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> good stuff, guys. Uh, all right, uh, that's uh, that's it. I got one one more for you before we get out of here. I I didn't get to the Doc Emmerich. Uh, it's history, not prophecy. It's history, not prophecy. Should the Penguins win tonight? They'd go up two games to none. Uh, teams that win the first two games at home in a best-of-seven series all-time, 236-30. and 30. That's an 88.7% success rate. The Penguins are 15-1 and all-time when they're up two games wow. to none, winning the first two at home. And Joe Bartnick, I know you know what the one is. Oh, everybody knows <laughs> what the one is. Yeah. It's not even. Let's, let's not. Even go there. Let's don't even bring their name up. <laughs> Fifteen and one is the rate if they win again tonight. Only way to be better than that: sixteen and zero. Oh. The Pittsburgh Penguins take the ice. Seven o'clock puck drop. Game two against the Flyers. A lot of stuff going on this weekend, though. Chuck Collier, you got a big old comedy show. Tomorrow night at Arcade Comedy Theater, Sean Collier presents our headliner. You may have heard of him. Bill Crawford will be headlining tomorrow night. Uh, Love doing this show at Arcade. This is the second one. We had a great time uh, last month. Going to be even better tomorrow night. Ed Bailey and Ramsey Daniels on that show as well. Buy your tickets in advance. This is one that could sell out, that should sell out. Tomorrow night, 7 p.m., Tickets at ArcadeComedyTheater.com. And Val, you're going to be doing some uh, PA announcing for the uh, It's About the Warrior Foundation hockey game, the Vets hockey team uh, against the uh, the state. Pennsylvania State Police yeah. team. Yep, it's 11.30 tomorrow morning, and that is at the Lemieux Sports Com- Complex up in Cranberry. Yeah, if you're foaming at the mouth for more hockey, just talking to Steve today, it sounds like they got some players. Oh, yeah, yeah that's going to yeah. be awesome. It's going to be good. Great and cause a cool and a fun facility, game. Yeah. No if doubt. for some reason you can't make it out tomorrow night, we do hope we see you at the Arcade Comedy Theater. But if you can't, uh, I'll also be at Club Cafe on Sunday night, uh, closing the show out for the Burning Bridges Festival. Yeah, I'm on a Burning Bridges show tonight at 10 at Hambones as well. This Plenty is of comedy. Too right. much information. A lot of stuff going a lot on. Is happening. Thanks to Joe Bartnick, who's been hanging out with us here for the last couple of weeks. And uh, are you? We finally- should say just to Randy Baum and Joe Bartnick in the DD morning. <laughs> I know, are, you, right? are, you, are you finally going to be leaving? Town? Yes, I have to leave. I have to leave tomorrow. So, are no, you, you sure? Don't. Stick around. Come back Monday. See you Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll call me Monday. He has to leave because he's going to Philadelphia for the Sunday game. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday game. Thanks to Jason Mackey from the Post Gazette for making time for us today. Thanks to the clock reads. They sounded great. And uh, special thanks to Chris Catan, who was in studio earlier. And he'll be at the improv this weekend. It was pretty cool to talk with him. Yeah. Uh, you know, not, not a lot of people had the run on SNL that he had. Pretty successful uh, tenure there, and he'll be on stage tonight through Sunday, 412-462-5233, improv.com to get tickets. Which one do you want to go out on? we got to go out on a goal call to, like, for good mojo. 
Gino. I like the uh, yeah the Gino call out of the, out of the bar, and out the, the Benino to Haggy call is pretty good. All right. Comes over to Taru. Penalty's over. Comes to Gostasbera. Slapper block. Malkin gets to the puck. He's back on. Malkin one on three. Goes through everybody. Coming one. One man to beat. Two scores. What a play by M.K.N. Malkin. You would have to be here to believe it. 71. M.K.N. Malkin makes it three. Nothing. Pittsburgh on an unbelievable rush to the net area. Oh my goodness. Borky chipping in there at the end. Yeah, and the Punjabi guys uh mistake forgetting uh uh or this was from last year, but it is funny when they screwed up. It would just be funnier if they thought it was uh he was still on the team. Yeah, that would be funnier. Pittsburgh and Anthony Horner Hajimi on and Benino the shot. What can go on Nick Benino 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 Haggy 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 Nope Nope. Benino, Benino, Benino. Yeah. Uh, that sets the tone for Haglin again like it did the other night. Yeah. Look at. He, he was special. Came out on fuego. I called it. You did. You did. I said he was going to score. All right. We're out of here. That's it. I like Hornquist tonight. So, Be uh, on the lookout for 72. I got to fill the throw. 81. Oh, yeah. 81's going to have the game tonight to... Put these guys uh, at the insurmountable lead. Nearly insurmountable lead. A commanding lead, even. I want to see a 2-0. Because, look, guys, they take this one tonight. That 7 nothing drubbing may as well not have happened. That is correct. Got to win tonight. Not even, a question. not even a question. Got to win. Got to win. Must win. All right. <laughs> uh, more chances to win. Workforce cash. Thousand bucks an hour being given away. Just text the keyword to 200-200. Brought to you by rightcars.com. All right, that's it. Have a great week. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. DVE Sports. Yeah! We are... Nine and a half hours away from the puck drop for game two. Mike's got your sports right now on DVE. Mike. Sports is are brought to you by Quesada by Lutron Smart Lighting Controls. It is game two tonight. The Pens and the Flyers, 7 o'clock at the PPG Paints Arena and on your Pens flagship, 105.9 The X. Let's follow up this hour on our interview with Jason Mackey and do a little nitpicking. Pick them nits. The power play wasn't great in game one. The Penguins won 7 to nothing, and the power play... Went one for four, but Sidney Crosby said yesterday that uh, the Pens power play can and should aspire to do better. I don't think we executed as well as we could have. I think, you know, that's ultimately what the power play comes down to. And you're not always going to score. Obviously, that's the goal. But um, if you're not, you want to make sure that you're executing and generating chances and momentum. And um, I think we feel like we can do a better job of that. Yeah, most of the time, the power play falls into one of four categories. You score a goal, which is the objective of the exercise, or you, you generate some momentum, as Crosby referenced. That can be valuable, even if you don't score, if you're threatening, if you're firing away, if the, the crowd is on edge, and you can carry over to the next couple of shifts and maybe get one after it expires. That's not bad either. Uh, when the power play stinks, it can suck the life out of a building, and people are groaning and <laughs> booing, and they're just passing it around yeah. the perimeter, can't get anything at all going. It, it's a drag. And then everyone's yelling, shoot, yeah. shoot. <laughs> it's not doing anybody any good. Then last but not least, if you give up a shorty, uh, that's the worst possible scenario. I thought they were kind of in the middle the other night. I didn't think they were awful. 
but I didn't think they were necessarily uh, generating a ton of momentum. They did get one goal, and it's interesting. Uh, I wrote this down because I was dissatisfied. Uh, it was the second period on the uh, Couturier penalty, and they started with the first unit, and then with 27 seconds left in the power play, there was a defensive zone faceoff, and Evgeny Malkin was still on the ice. He was the last guy from the first unit of five. And I'm thinking, what is he doing still out there? He's been out there a minute 33. Get him off. You know, he's, it's enough. And they, they did the defensive zone draw, and I can't remember if it was a false faceoff or the puck went right out of the playing surface. But they had to redo the faceoff a couple seconds later. And this time Malkin came off, and they got Olimata on. And at the end of that penalty, the second unit came through with the goal. The beautiful pass by Broussard who just basically banked it off of Jake Gensel's stick and into the net. Um, who's on the ice? Who isn't? You don't want to get caught. Guys out there too long. And then if the penalty ends while play is ongoing, you you got tired guys out there and you're vulnerable that way. Uh, that second unit, and uh, you know, since the latter stages of the very latter stages of the regular season, the second unit inc- includes Crystal Tang. Justin Schultz running the show with the big boys. And when Latang's out there with Mott, I like the two defensemen when a penalty's going to end. And then Connor Sherry, Jake Gensel, and Derek Broussard. Not bad for a second unit. It's a great second unit. Pretty representative. Postseason stalwart, Jake Gensel. And Derek Broussard, <laughs> who usually does it at even strength, but he did it. Uh, he helped on the power play uh, the other night. I, I, a lot of times I'll go into the postseason thinking, eh. Power plays are hit and miss like they are in the regular season. You can't hang your hat on your power play to advance. you got to win five on five. But I think this Penguins power play is special. And one for four, that's 25%. That's a little below 26.2, which they did in the regular season. I think I think that's minimum standard requirement for this Penguins team. I think this unit is good enough to consistently impact games. And if they go through one of those stretches where they're 0 for 12, 0 for 15 in a series, that might be a problem, but I don't see that happening. I think these guys are good enough, and they have that shooter's mentality most of the time where they're going to get it done. Do you think it'll be as big of a problem as you did before the series, seeing what you saw from the uh, the, the team the other night blocking 24 shots? You know, you, you were saying that special teams is going to have to be special because they're going to need that that scoring to compensate for some of their lack of, uh, of defense. Yeah, You know, I, I was not as convinced that they – were as committed to defense as they had been the last two seasons. But, boy, it was a tremendous step in the right Is that direction. out of your mind now? Well, it's one game, but it was yeah. a really good game. And I think what that does is reinforce, you know, I don't know how tough a, sell, tough a sell it's been for Sullivan this year. It certainly looked like, even in the second half of the year, when they were playing really well and getting a lot of points, I didn't see the commitment to defense that I saw the other night very often. For Especially from like Jake and Haglin, back checking, incredible, phenomenal, dominated the first period. Yeah, he. That's you want to show somebody who's never seen the game. This is what a hockey player is supposed to look like. Show him the first twenty minutes of Carl Haglin. I mean, one that. I thought they had. I thought three lines were clicking, and I. I thought Broussard's line was. I thought Broussard played for missing. You know, two weeks. I thought Broussard was playing great. I think Phil and Sherry were just fighting the puck a little bit. So once that line gets, it's going to be four lines of chaos. Yeah, they could have had more. <laughs> I mean, they got seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They could have had more. And they did not. Uh, Joe, I'm curious what you think. I didn't think they were taking chances and forcing the issue 
No. Latang went in on the first rush for the first goal, but that was the right play at the right time. You don't have to be conservative. Just don't be irresponsible. If anything, even when the game was a game, it looked like to me Philly was cherry picking a lot. Well, they're going to try to. I think they're going to try I mean, to make it go end to end and try to make it a trade chances kind of game. Right. That's the, that's not necessarily a high percentage plan for Philly, but it's the best they got. Right. I mean, they. I mean, they don't want to trade chances with the Penguins, but they pretty much have to unless they turn into like the crap show. Yeah. If they don't, they're not going to generate many. No, they're going to none. They, they need. <laughs> I think they need to suck the Penguins into trying to go up and down every shift and get them to make a mistake and a turnover and then transition them. Anytime their bottom 4D tried to traditionally move the puck out, <laughs> Ruster, Haglin, or Gensel was there, and he didn't yep. get it out. That's the thing. They're, the Penguins' forecheck, I don't know what their answer is going to be to that because it was like even even strength, they were just posting up in the O-zone. Yeah, we'll see if they try to do it a different way tonight. you got to make some adjustments as series go on. Nobody really radically changes their style, but uh, – they were having some trouble getting out of their end, and uh, you saw what happened. Game two tonight, Pens and the Flyers. Last night, uh, the Lightning, the Bruins, the Blue Jackets in overtime, the Predators, and the Sharks all grab one game to none leads in the other series. Uh, in addition to Pens Flyers, it's game two for the Wild and the Jets and the Kings and the Golden Knights tonight. Scott Paulson. We'll kick your arse and leave your numb. We'll drink to you when the club is passed. Your players come, we'll kick your arse. The igloo's gone, a wrecking ball. To tear it down, we watched it fall. Our poor old building now is trash. But even so, we'll kick your arse. We'll kick your arse, your fire's come. We'll kick your arse and leave you numb. We'll drink to you. Our defense sucks, our goalie's nuts, and all our fans are drunks and sluts. Our nachos give you lethal gas, but even so, we'll kick your arse. We'll kick your arse, we'll kick your arse, you'll We'll kick your arse and leave you numb. We'll drink to you when the cup is passed. Your flyers come, we'll kick your arse. We'll kick your arse, your flyers come. We'll kick your arse and leave you numb. We'll drink to you when the cup is passed. Your flyers come. We'll kick your arse. Yeah. Hey. Ho! Flyers blow! That's right. Hey. Coming up. <laughs> flyers blow! Hey! Ho! One flyers more blow. from the <laughs> clock reads on DVE.